0: And we are live.
1: (laughs) Yay. Hello. Hello.
0: Welcome to the Content Swap Podcast. You are joined by Aaliyah and Parker. I am Parker. I will be one of your co-hosts today. (laughs) You're (laughs) not Aaliyah? Yes, I'm... (laughs) Yes. My name is Aaliyah Churchill. Um, And, yeah. So, uh, Uh, Parker, take uh, us through the...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your impression of me makes me... So sad. I'm like, do I sound like that? <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. No, you don't sound like that.
1: Yes, I do. It's okay.
0: Well, welcome to the Content Swap Podcast. It is a new week. Aaliyah, <laughs> not me, you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, could you take us through what the Content Swap Podcast is?
1: Absolutely. So, the Content Swap Podcast is when me and Parker assign each other some form of content to engage with, whether that be a TV show, a movie, a book, whatever. Um, And then we come back here, we explain what we had to engage with, and we give our opinions on that and ask questions.
0: Sounds like a fun time. Yes. Gotta love it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, with that in mind, I think...
1: We should start with you first. We should
0: start with me first. Okay. So, all right. Well, this week, Aaliyah assigned me Nuts and Bolts, which is a, uh, a vice... Show it's a show. It's a show on Vice. It's uh. It's basically how it's made with Tyler, the creator, where he gets asked to. um, Well, he he goes over there's six episodes. Each one he goes over some kind of concept thing that he's really into, and then they meet people who are like experts in that thing, and then he kind of makes his own thing in that whatever that you know realm is. And then, uh, yeah, that's basically it. So, um, yeah, there's six episodes. We watched all six of them, and mm-hmm. I thought it was, I thought it was a blast. I had a really good time watching it. I think uh, Tyler, the creator. I don't always listen to his music like all the time. I have heard quite a bit of his music, um, and I've listened to both the both Odd Future mi- mixtapes. But uh, I. Yeah, no, I I just I just love it when Tyler gets the space to just like be himself, Um, and Mm. because he's such a creative fella, (laughs) like he's so he's really funny, but he's also got his own personal brand of like awkwardness that he brings to um, these interactions with all these different experts who are like, it's it's clear like these are these are experts in their field, so they're like taking it very seriously because this is what they do for work, and then he's just like. Awkwardly hugging them, and, do, and he like he hugs everyone. He hugs everyone. I he uh, he has like an intimate, like an awkwardly intimate moment with at least like one expert per episode. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So I, I I just have like some general notes about like Tyler and the show at first, and then I kind of have each individual episode. Um, kind of like my thoughts on like the process and what Tyler did for himself. So. I did want to say that, um, you know, fun, fun fact, a uh, little proud moment in the family. Um, my cousin is a photographer in L.A., and he uh, has taken pictures of uh, Odd Future back in the day. Oh, um, wow. Yeah.
1: That's cool. Yeah.
0: Anyway, that's, <laughs> that's that. Uh, there's an Instagram post that I go back to sometimes to, like, confirm, like, oh, yeah, he did do that. Um, he also took pictures of Robert Pattinson. Um, anyway.
1: What's his Instagram? Plug him.
0: Oh, uh, I think it's Aaron Farley Photo. I do follow him. (laughs) You do follow him? Yeah. Um, Great guy. Love you, love you, cousin Aaron. Um, (laughs) Anyway, they, uh, in the show, they, yeah, so they, I mean, they go really deep into all these topics. It's actually pretty interesting um, what kinds of experts they're able to, like, secure. Mm -hmm. I, I, I look, I just imagine the conversations that went into making this show mm-hmm. where like not only the, the production staff like asked Tyler, like, all right, what kinds of things do you want to cover? And he's like, oh, well, I want to do like stop motion. And it's like, oh, that's cool. And then he's like, I also want to do floating. <laughs> Yeah. it's a whole episode on just the concept of floating
1: it's like they start off so like with concrete things and then like as the season progresses it's like abstract things that he wants to do and you're yeah. like what
0: <laughs> and it's the floating episode where they get like neil deGrasse tyson and bill nye he's like well, oh okay yeah. so somebody on the production staff had to hear tyler say oh i'm really interested in floating and then go let's go get the most two high profile interviews that we're gonna get for this whole thing so was <laughs> -hmm. I love that. Um, Okay. Well, yeah, it it almost kind of felt like Jeff Goldblum's show on Disney Plus, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, Um, but with Tyler the Crater. But Tyler did it first. Uh Um, (laughs) But. Reflecting on that, I was thinking like it would be really cool to watch those two interact that, and do, yeah. do a team up or something. That would
1: be really cool. It makes me sad that there's only this one season. Like I wish there was more I mean, I guess, you know, COVID hit. But this came out in what, twenty seventeen? Twenty seventeen. So yeah, I don't know. I wish they would do more. That's the thing about these like vice shows. There's so many of these like amazing shows, but they only do a few seasons and then that's it. And it's like, no, I want more. Like most expensive is with two chains, I talked about this the last episode. Right. It's like one of my favorite shows to watch of like all time and there's just no more seasons and it, it makes me so sad because it's such a funny and just like fun sh- and you learn like you learn about things right
0: <laughs> I, I yeah i'll never forget watching two chains i don't even know if this was for most expensivist but when he tried canned air yes uh, that's for most expensive yeah okay <laughs> yeah. just bonkers um it's like canada air <laughs> and
1: it's so funny because in this episode he's like only white people would buy this mess (laughs) (laughs) like this is so expensive why am i paying for canned air yep yep
0: i i don't know i don't know mr two chains mr (laughs) Mr. chains (laughs) um anyway back to tyler and nuts and bolts uh i I noticed he has a penchant for liking to blow stuff up um yeah he brings that up a lot when he's like coming up with ideas he's like and then what if we just like blew it up Mm -hmm. um fantastic yeah he's got he's got this really chaotic energy it's kind of like a peaceful nonsense but i you know i, I like it um my, my favorite thing about the show overall you know, before we kind of get into it is that it's you know it's it's this person that we know is a musical artist and he's getting to show like you know i don't just like music i i have other creative outlets as well mm-hmm. and he actually you know it's like he gets the opportunity to really go talk to people And do his own thing and execute his own idea, regardless of, you know, whether it's a good idea or not, or whether it seems like a good idea, they still do it. And it makes for some really, um, almost dare I say inspiring results. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Tyler, Tyler himself, he's like not afraid to speak his mind as it is as well, which Uh makes it really entertaining um okay so the first episode as i mentioned earlier he is a stop motion episode mm-hmm. and so he yeah he's always just been really into stop motion he likes stuff like robot chicken so um let's see they didn't it's like a, they did a small almost interview i guess mm-hmm. with um the guy that directed james and the giant peach mm-hmm. And I like how they did – I like how they did that because it was, like, a little stop-motion version of Tyler talking to the director. Yeah. Um, So as soon as I saw that, I was like, what the – what's the production budget on this show?
1: Yeah. And another thing about – I, like – I keep praising Vice. (laughs) But another (laughs) thing about, like, the Vice shows is whoever goes in and does, like, the editing and, like, stylistically, aesthetically, like, creates these shows – Every show is so cool. Like you, ha- like in Most like they'll have like a-, a cartoon like 2 Chains, and he like does stuff. And then like in this show, you have like Stop Motion Tyler talking to this like dude who creates Stop Motion. Yeah. And it's just like artistically, the way that they like create their shows is really cool.
0: Got to give Vice more credit. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, so uh, I mentioned Robot Chicken earlier. So they, they do go to the studio that makes Robot Chicken and uh learned a lot of cool fun facts about stop motion in the process did you know that it takes a stop-motion artist a whole day to make 10 seconds of footage that's crazy i was i ran the numbers um and that's that's just like one stop-motion animation that's not even taking into account like Mm -hmm. all the different building that has to go into it all the set pieces how complex of a shot that's gonna be but if it takes 10 seconds if you get 10 seconds a day, mm-hmm. then that means that's, you know, if you're working five days a week, that's 50 seconds a week, which means it would take two years just to make a 90 minute production.
1: So on the lines of that, I pulled some facts because I wanted to know like some of these bigger stop motion movies that we like love. I want to know how long it took uh-huh. for James and the giant peach. It did take two years to create that mm-hmm. for nightmare before Christmas. It took three years, but, um, I wrote down it took them 18 months to like film the stop motion so 18 months to oh, film wow. the stop motion but that's or like to you know take all the pictures for the stop motion I they did that pretty fast yeah but then like for the rest of you know obviously that doesn't include like the, the post. pre-production stuff yeah. the post-production stuff so with all that it took three years
0: hit, yeah i mean nightmare before christmas they had to write like music that's, yeah <laughs> it's like partly a musical yeah stop motion which is nuts yeah oh yeah. Yeah, just wrapping my head head around how much work had to go into that just is almost giving me a headache. Um, Mm -hmm. What did you check? How long it took them to make Wallace and Gromit the were-rabbit? No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did not. (laughs) Well...
0: Uh, well, let's see. Later, at the end of the episode, he makes his own stop motion where he kind of uh, he he does his own voice acting. With his friend Jasper, Jasper uh, is this friend that joins him for pretty much every episode and um, is like the butt of all jokes. It's <laughs> you know, Poor we, we love you, Jasper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he creates this stop motion where two people are talking in a diner about sunflowers as if it's like something illegal that they're not supposed to have and then this guy rolls up in a car uh and then shoots one of them and yeah they, they did this whole bit where they were like recording like a the line was like it's going to your head um mm-hmm. but it's like it's going to your head and
1: like <laughs> yeah. they, it's
0: supposed to like cut off because the guy gets shot when he says head but um and the way they say it is like the way they have jasper saying it is very um unique um anyway i don't really remember the rest of it <laughs> like yeah. i is there is there more to that animation that i, I feel like that was pretty much it yeah it's like,
1: that was pretty much that
0: yeah cool well anyway <laughs> moving on to the next episode stop motion uh yeah super lots of respect out there to to the people that work at stop motion good on you i mm-hmm. mean you could just you, you, you could just do regular animation but no you said i want to make i want to make this and it's not enough people appreciate it, I think. Uh, did you see Kubo and the Two Strings, by the way? I did not. See? That, my point exactly.
1: What? <laughs> I love stop motion.
0: Okay, well, I went and saw Kubo and the Two Strings when it came out in theaters. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And it did not do well at the box office. Nobody went and saw it. And I feel like people look at that and they don't realize how much of like a master craft mm-hmm. something like that really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and. You know they they look at it like it's just a normal animated movie, but no, when it's stop motion, it's like no, we need to like we need to sit down and appreciate this because this is this is art. There's like a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that went into this.
1: Yeah. I've always wanted to like create my own stop motion because I feel like I in no way, shape, or form could like make my own movie, but I feel like I could like somewhat do a stop motion, like a very short, just like stop motion thing.
0: My my brothers and I fiddled around with it with uh, with Legos when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to this thing. Was we this summer camp called ID Tech Camp? I think it was like over by Stanford, um, but it was kind of it was just like a tech camp for kids during the summer. And my brothers did a lot more than I did because um, I only did it once and I did 3D game design. But I remember because my brothers went, and one of them did like stop motion one time where they were using Legos where you just like move the minifigures and you make mm-hmm. a whole uh, animation and whatnot. Um, Yeah, that's, and then they kind of like brought it home and we messed around with it a lot. And that was, yeah, dang. That's, that was probably a a core memory uh, for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, yeah. Um, Anyway, that's, that's all I got to say about stop motion for now. Mm -hmm. So the next episode is about sneakers. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So they go to Converse in this episode. And Tyler gets to make his own line of one star shoes. I did not know that these shoes made by Converse were called one star shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been huge. Well, I've never been like huge into appreciating shoes. Mm-hmm. But after watching this episode, I was like, dang. I want to go make my own shoes. I want custom <laughs> shoes. I get it now. I
1: think on like Nike's website, I don't. They used to have this. I don't know if they still do, but you could like kind of design your own shoe, and they would make it for you and send it to you. It That's was gonna be cool. You're gonna pay expensive. some money, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: okay. Well, all right. First off, they cover how they get the rubber for the shoes, and it turns out rubber comes from trees. I. I feel like I did know that, but I didn't know how exactly they got rubber from trees. Yeah. And it's like they, what, it's like they extract like yeah, so fluid I looked this up more. and then they boil it or something or they yeah. melt it.
1: I looked this up more because I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's rubber trees. They're called rubber trees. And it's like basically like as if you're going to get sap for maple syrup. They like, you know, tap a hole in it, I guess. And this white substance come out, comes out that's called latex and then they use that yeah it's called latex yeah like
0: but not the latex as we know it i have no clue i didn't look that deep
1: into it but it's called latex it comes out they gather it and then they do whatever they do to it to make it into rubber (laughs) i didn't look in the into depth with it and i forgot what the episode said but yeah
0: wild rubber that's just how do people figure that out uh i will never know well, um, he has this conversation with this guy. Mm-hmm. They're so they're at Converse. They're you know they're gonna build his custom shoe, and uh, he's talking to this guy about how he's like, oh, why do they only make samples in nines? And the guy's like, yeah, I wish they made them in 12s. And he's like, you got twelves too? And they're like, <laughs> they find out they both wear a size twelve shoes, and then they have a very like awkward hug <laughs> or like, it's yeah, yeah, it's this like cute little like moment. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> i find tyler the creator just like so adorable like i just want to like give him a hug myself i don't know he just seems so fun and like so sweet he does yeah he does
0: um but then and then it's funny when you listen to some of his music where he's like he sounds like angry sometimes (laughs) yeah whoa (laughs) (laughs) yeah um Okay, a question I had Mm -hmm. after watching this was, are all shoes made by hand?
1: I have no Like, in the world?
0: Or is it just these Converse shoes, these specific line of Converse shoes where they, like, have to make it by hand? Because they go through the process, and it's like, at some point, somebody has to do all the stitching on the shoe by hand.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think... I feel like Jeff Goldblum and in, in the world according to Jeff Goldblum does a show a episode on on sneakers as well. Right. And I'm trying to remember. Um, I don't. I mean, I'm sure there's like, I don't know if they do hand stitching per se, but I, there has to be people that like kind of takes the shoe along the steps. Right. And but I don't know. I have no clue. That's I, it a just good question.
0: it just seemed like so much work just yeah. for shoes. Yeah. And I. I mean, I say just for shoes, but like for them, it's probably like, well, yeah, no shoes. People wear shoes for a very long time. So Mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense because shoes are so expensive. Um, Yeah, I guess it. Yeah, it does make sense why why shoes are so expensive. If like that much time and labor has to go into making them. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, there's there's one step in the process where Converse has this machine called like a vulcanizer
1: mm-hmm.
0: where yeah, they basically have to like cook the shoes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: They like <laughs> which just, is weird. <laughs> yeah. They like mold it and get it all like down correctly and then they just stick it in the vulcanizer and it gets really hot and it just cooks the shoe and like just makes it set in.
1: Yeah.
0: Crazy. Yeah. Well, uh I wrote down that there's a there's a part where he's talking to a designer. They're, you know, this guy's trying to help him figure out how what what to do with his shoes, and they're going through all the different colors. and He's sitting there talking to the designer, and he's just making because we all know like colors get very carried away. Um,
1: in terms of their names. In,
0: term, in terms of their names, mm-hmm. yes, and you know I. I, I see colors as like hex codes most of the times for, uh, for my job. But um, so I don't, I'm never really thinking too much about like the the name of the colors, but mm-hmm. people go hard on naming colors. And he's sitting there like making fun of all the different mm-hmm. color names. And you can just tell the designer sitting next to him does not appreciate it <laughs> at all. Really? Yeah. The guy was just like, mm hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he was just kind of wanting, like, all right, can we move on? Uh, so. I don't know. I was like, oh, that, that poor man. He probably named some of those colors. I don't know. Oh, my gosh.
1: No, so I actually looked up, like, how do these colors on color uh, color wheels and whatever they're called, the little, like, when you get paint swatches and stuff. Wow, you did your um, research. Yeah, because well, I was like, I there's, <laughs> there's, not a, <laughs> there's not a lot of facts about this show in specifically, so I was like, let me find some facts of things that I was just interested in in the episodes. Uh-huh, okay. So I looked up um, how, who names the colors for these things, like, when you go to Home Depot and you see all the paints. Um, and basically, so paint companies have color marketing managers. What? Yes, color marketing managers. And so these are people who are hired to not just name the colors, but they're responsible for designing like the brochures that you see at like the paint store. And, oh, like, yeah, that makes sense. And the little strips and things that you see of the paints and taking pictures of the rooms with the paint colors and whatever. But. Um, Basically, they said that, yeah, they just have to like creatively come up with names. They said the hardest colors to name are neutrals because it's so hard that to pinpoint sense. the difference. So what they do is sometimes they'll do focus groups with kids and they'll have the kids come up with the names because kids are so creative. That's wild. And they just use the kids, whatever the kids name it. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was a little fun fact.
0: <laughs> that is really interesting. I mean, I know a lot... Like, a lot goes into choosing a specific color for something. Um, But never did I think about the marketing of the name of the actual color. Yeah,
1: and they talked about how, like, like the name really matters in terms of, like, how it sells. If you have a name that people don't like, like, if you have, like, a green color and you name it something weird, like, ogre, people are going to be like, ew, and then they're not going to buy it. That makes sense. And so then, like, you really have to kind of be careful with the names.
0: Like, oh, okay. But if I'm drawing Shrek, I'm going to want Ogre You're going to want Ogre I remember I had crayons. It was like Crayola. Crayons. Crayons? How do you say it?
1: Crayons?
0: You say crayons. I say crayons. I say crayons.
1: Crayons.
0: I I don't know. Okay. East Coast people uh, and West Coast people uh, chime in and let us know how you say it. Because I'm from the West Coast. I say crayons.
1: i feel like ashley my friend ashley says crayons too so maybe i don't know i always say crayons it's
0: okay wait caramel or caramel caramel i kind of go back and forth but (laughs) i think i prefer to say caramel in certain moments exactly so
1: pompous yeah caramel
0: potato or potato oh my gosh (laughs) Okay. Well, <laughs> I had these crayons, and I remember I had a, a black crayon, and it was called Kitty Cat Black. Mm. And yeah, I don't know. I I remember I accidentally marked like my my dining room table with the Kitty Cat Black when I was coloring something, and my mm. brother was like, "What co- was Kitty Cat Black? Mm, that doesn't come out." And I was like, "Oh no, Mom's gonna get
1: mad." <laughs> oh my gosh, my favorite crayon color was macaroni. Wow. Yeah, that were indigo. I loved indigo.
0: Macaroni and indigo. And indigo, I know. <laughs> one of them's an actual color. <laughs> the other one was came up with a child. Came up by a child. Came up with by a child. Came in up a- with a child. Yes. Yeah. The other one was came up with by a child in a focus group.
1: <laughs> I mean, hey, it got me sold.
0: All right, well what okay so well tyler ends up making his own uh he makes his own shoes uh it's like a one star line of shoes and he puts like sunflowers on the insoles which is really cool because this was right before he was coming out with his flower boy album um yeah i i really liked the colors of those shoes that he made it was like they're kind of like pastels
1: yeah i i liked i really liked his shoes everything he kind of like designs like um there's a later episode with like furniture
0: And just like his uh,
1: his room, like his bedroom.
0: I got a lot to say about that.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I like his, I like his style. I like the way he does things.
0: Yeah. It's, he's got his own, he's got his own style. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's impressive. Mm. All right. Well, the third episode, they talk about breakfast.
1: My favorite thing ever.
0: And the good listeners probably didn't realize you were foreshadowing earlier when you were talking about how syrup is made. Um, but they talk about how syrup is made in this episode. Yes. Uh, so, let's see. Tyler and Jasper go and meet this guy. I don't even, are they in like Canada or something? I...
1: No, I think this is based in the U.S. I don't know. Okay. The, it's The place is called Crown Maple Syrup. Okay.
0: Or something like that. How, dang, that's just me whipping out a canadian stereotype (laughs) they're talking about syrup they have to be in canada i could be wrong um well they learn how to make syrup and uh so they, they meet this guy basically they like drill holes in the side of trees and then stick these tube things in there and they extract the sap and did you know that it takes 40 to 50 gallons of sap to make one gallon of syrup
1: that's wild.
0: Two percent. Two percent of that sap is gonna actually be syrup. Which is yeah, that is wild. So there's uh there's a part where Tyler asks the guy <laughs> the guy like says that and then Tyler asks the guy like Will syrup ever go extinct? And the guy just goes, Excuse me?
1: <laughs> um
0: like that's a ridiculous question. But I'm, I'm, I was sitting there like, that's a very valid question because, yeah. I mean, granted, we have a lot of trees, but that's like, that's so much sap, um, a.k.a. tree blood. That's what he calls it. <laughs> um, but that's like, that's for how much tree blood needs to be extracted in order to, you know, make the syrup that you have at home. That is a lot. Mm-hmm. That's how much sap do trees just have in them?
1: I don't know. I meant to look that up and I forgot, so...
0: Do they grow... I'm assuming they grow, like, their sap back as if it is, like, blood.
1: Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I'm assuming so. Yeah. Like, I think plants just, like, continuously produce sap. Yeah. So...
0: I mean, it makes sense why, I guess, they wouldn't go extinct, but it's just, like, for... I guess, yeah, we use use wood for everything so if we can make that much stuff out of wood i guess it stands to reason that we can make syrup
1: oh my gosh deforestation though yeah
0: (laughs) i'm imagining now it takes a lot longer to make wood than it does to make syrup (laughs) in terms of you know growth yeah uh (laughs) well uh anyway at the beginning of the episode, he's talking about, like, his breakfast eating habits. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't sound like he eats healthy breakfast ever. Um, it's,
1: like, does anyone eat healthy breakfast on a regular? Well, I guess some people yes. do. But, like, <laughs> the beauty of breakfast is that it's literally just dessert in the morning. Right. And so, like, that's what I, like, I'm here eating cinnamon rolls. I love pancakes. I like French toast. Okay. I'm not like, can I have an avocado toast for uh, breakfast? Wow. Even though I do love avocado toast. Can but, you, like,
0: Can you say that again?
1: are <laughs> you making fun of no no
0: i just thought it was, i just thought it was funny um <laughs> can i have an avocado can toast I have
1: an avocado toast please <laughs>
0: well i mean okay this morning before we recorded this podcast i had a bowl of oatmeal with a little bit of cinnamon and a banana some like half a banana cut up in there and what blueberries and blackberries and walnuts that seems pretty healthy compared that's, to br- dessert for
1: breakfast. Yeah, but that's so boring.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I'm, it's honestly my favorite thing to eat for breakfast. But, I mean, I do enjoy a good waffle and yeah. all that from time to time.
1: All that sugar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead.
1: Uh, on the topic of the maple syrup, uh-huh. so... In the show, Tyler creates his own flavor of maple syrup. Oh, yeah. He calls it Tyler's Cinnamon or something like that. Sin- cinnamon. Cinnamon. Yeah. Um, and it's like cinnamon and mint-infused maple syrup. So I tried to look up if they were still selling that. Oh. Um, it was a limited-time thing, so they're not that still selling sense. it. Yeah. However, there are people who got their hands on it that are selling their own, like, their bottles of it.
0: Does syrup expire? Uh...
1: I think with maple syrup, like it's good unless you open it. Okay. But
0: does sap expire?
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's not that not that sap should have an expiration date because you shouldn't be <laughs> Just like if sap. I if I extracted a bunch of sap, would yeah. I have to like keep it in a fridge before I before
1: turn, turn it into, into syrup? syrup? Yeah. I don't know.
0: These are the questions.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, uh, also at the beginning of the episode. Uh I I think this happens before they go and meet the syrup people, but they would go into this classroom
2: mm-hmm. where
0: this guy's talking about breakfast and I'm like, Where was that? Like <laughs> I know. this guy's like teaching about the concept of breakfast. I'm like, Are they in a is that a culinary school? Do they have a class on the, the theory of breakfast? What was that? I don't know. I, I had so many questions, I was so curious. Well,
1: um, and he asked. He said, "Does the, wa- did the waffle iron come, fir- come first, or the waffle?" And oh it, yeah. And the waffle iron came first. The waffle
0: iron came first. Yeah. Yeah. The guy had the history of that. It was like what waffles were first invented in what 1300 or something. Yeah. Crazy. Well, also at the at the syrup uh, making place, they, I you know, if I could recall which guy in each episode he had an awkward moment with I'm, I'm gonna try and bring it up and there's a guy who bottles the syrup that he has like this guy's super dead serious just talking about like his syrup and the guy and or tyler goes to hug him the guy's just like oh um, okay okay
1: <laughs> yeah he was the most awkward yeah of
0: all of it, them it was very awkward uh all right well next thing i had on this episode was that they they actually they do a lot in this episode they go to they go to this bakery i think it's in new york Mm -hmm. where the the head baker there is the guy that created the cronut Mm in 2013 i didn't know that the cronut was invented in 2013 i thought cronuts were just a thing that we have Yeah. I've had forever.
1: I didn't even know what a cronut was. I had to look it up. I was like, what is a cronut? Oh. It's a croissant and a donut together. And
0: apparently it makes three days for them to make cronuts.
1: Which is wild.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot of work.
1: That's too much patience.
0: Yeah. Well, how much time goes into making noodles? Like spaghetti. I don't... And pasta.
1: Well... I mean, basing my knowledge off of uh, what's the show, Master of None. Master of None. It yeah. looks like they just did it in the moment. You just mix the egg well, and the flour, and then like it. Firm, firm, if you forms like, a dry, dough. well,
0: but like then the, sometimes you dry it, sometimes you don't. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not a pasta expert. I have not. I've only made pasta once in my life, and it was for my foods class in seventh grade. So,
1: you guys made pasta. in we seventh grade? We made pasta
0: in seventh grade. I took it as an elective. That's wild yeah we got we made we made a lot of stuff in that class yeah I, I, I mean I was such a picky eater at the time I remember we put onions on our pizza and I was like ew I mean, that... no oh, I, I, I love onions sense. on pizza yeah I love onions and pretty much everything that onions are allowed to belong in I wouldn't put it in ice cream but ew e- exactly <laughs>
1: I'm sure that exists though
0: well at the yeah <laughs> I've had garlic ice cream at the Gilroy Garlic Festival in California. That uh, surprisingly not bad. It's a, actually kind of yummy. I wouldn't eat it forever, but when you have it, you're like, oh, huh. Anyway, uh, at the end of this episode, he inevitably creates his own type of breakfast. He calls it breakfast sushi, which is a it's like a piece of waffle uh, cut into like a narrow shape. And then a piece of sausage on top, and then a small strip of bacon on top of that, and then uh, I th- kind of use like some other sweet-looking things. Um, no, the thing to... that
1: wraps around it is like egg, like a... oh, it's egg. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow, that's even better.
1: Yeah. Wow. And they dip it in some like, syrup, and they dip it in the cinnamon, cinnamon syrup. syrup. Yeah. yeah, I don't like that.
0: And all the people that tried it were like, "This is good. This is really good." Yeah. And I was watching it, thinking, "Wow, he just made that up." And People love it, and it looks mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Breakfast sushi. Got to get my hands on that.
1: I know. I want some. I want breakfast now.
0: <laughs> we just had breakfast.
1: I want more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, before we move off of the topic of breakfast so we can stop thinking about food, do you have anything left to say on this nope. episode?
1: That, that's all I have.
0: All right. Well, as I mentioned earlier, the next episode is about floating, and uh, yeah, we're really just diving Into like, we're having six different conversations just about this. We have we have two movies to go over later. Um, this will be a long podcast. We'll see how it goes. Um, all right. So the next one is floating. So Tyler is obsessed with the idea of floating, pretty much in all of its forms, and I thought that was really really unique. So at the beginning of the episode, that he goes and talks to Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I always enjoy listening to to Neil talk because he has like this very kind of, like, smart way of looking at the world that I was never going to think of, but then, it, like, it makes you realize something. I will say sometimes Neil deGrasse Tyson he talks a little too intellectually. It's almost, like, snobbishly intellectual sometimes. Um, but I think Neil knows that. Don't don't come for me, Neil. Um, okay. I love I, you. I looked up... I read your book.
1: <laughs> I looked up because I was like, when exactly did he become famous? Like, this, like, big Neil deGrasse Tyson? Time. Yeah. But while I was looking that up, I found out he had sexual assault allegations, which is not great
0: oh okay i could have gone okay i could have gone my (laughs) whole life not knowing that
1: that was back in 2018 and i don't think anything really came of it oh okay yeah so there's that
0: (laughs) allegations but nothing okay i don't i don't want to go over the details of that that sucks i
1: don't even have the details of that so
0: yeah well that that sucks for uh whoever was the victims yeah the victims Mm -hmm. and uh sucks as a fan but um anyway he has a really good attitude <laughs> not okay not anyway there's, there's
1: no good way to transition there's no good, from that it really is not
0: um yeah. well i will say that neil does do a very good job at um kind of putting up with tyler's bizarre antics
1: mm-hmm.
0: um wait so when did neil degrasse tyson become famous because i know it is like when he did the cosmos show in like 2014 that's when i found out
1: Yes. yeah he was. I don't know. I guess or it was like after he wrote that one book um, and then he was just on a bunch of interviews and then like just got popular from that. Like people were like, he's the face of
0: astrophysics. Yeah. Cool. So. Well, dang. Yeah. Every. Dang. Sexual allegations. We're, we're about to have like a whole conversation that involves James Franco later. So, yeah. <laughs> dang. Yeah. <laughs> All that aside, we're we're focused on the content. Yeah, we're focused on the content, (laughs) the art, not the artist. Uh, Exactly. So, let's see. Uh, Later in this episode, Tyler does a sensory deprivation chamber, which uh, I've actually done one of those before. I did it with my brother. Well, we were in separate chambers. Um, It was my my brother... (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's <is> so funny <laughs> so
0: I just felt like that wasn't clear what I said it. Um, my brother his girlfriend and I went to a sensory deprivation chamber place and we each had our own chambers and did you know we floated for an hour we all got back to each other uh, my brother and I kind of liked it and for me it like really helped me slow down um, his girlfriend did not like it uh, it, just, it made her feel like anxious which I totally understand uh, in Tyler's case, it seemed like yeah he had the similar reaction. It just made him feel weird, um, and yeah he what he got out after eighteen minutes. Yeah. I think he said <laughs> yeah yeah. You usually do it for like an hour or ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. Some people go longer than that, but mm-hmm. um yeah he was not he did not like that at yeah. all. Yeah, like,
1: well he, he he said he was like I'm very much like a go 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 person, right. and I don't like to just sit still and. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I would make an argument that people that are very go 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 mm-hmm. probably do get a lot out of the sensory deprivation chamber when they do it, mm-hmm. but it's basically just like you're just meditating. Mm-hmm. So, and there's not much to it. I I just like to help me slow down because I am also just kind of thinking about you know what's coming up and all that. Anyway, the okay for this episode. The thing that Tyler makes, this was probably one of my favorite things that he made because it's such a simple idea where he went to a VR company, asked them to make this like wormhole VR experience. And then he takes that VR experience, puts it on and goes into one of those wind tunnels. Indoor skydiving. Yeah, indoor skydiving things. And so he's like, he's wearing it (laughs) while he's doing that. And the, the, the shot of him wearing it, and Where it's it's juxtaposed with what he's seeing, and <laughs> it just looks like a blast. I was like, it's so <laughs> it
1: looks like so much fun. I'm like, yeah. why do places like do places have this so I can go experience it myself?
0: That's like that's so much to yeah. <laughs> that's so much to sell yeah. in one experience. Well, yeah, it's I just thought it was such a simple idea, and it's like how only people are spending too much time thinking like within the box. That, mm-hmm. you know, Tyler's got to come up and say, oh, well, what if we took this and this and put them together and we tried that? Has anybody ever done that? No? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. Um, yeah. that I mean, that kind of speaks to how I felt about a lot of the ideas that he had on the show. Um, but I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more at the end. But, yeah, the interview with Bill Nye. I don't even remember what they talk about other than that Bill tells him to go skydiving. And so they go skydiving. Mm-hmm. And, um
1: because <laughs> he was like basically Tyler was like what's the like closest I can get to feel oh he to was, feeling he was like very, he's flirting. yeah at yeah. first Tyler was very against skydiving he's like I don't want to do it so what's the closest I can get to feeling like I'm I'm weightless mm-hmm. and then Bill Nye's like well you have to be falling in order to be weightless and so go skydiving that's the closest you're gonna get and so then he finally convinces Tyler to go skydiving
0: that's right the um I I forgot the context of this line But I wrote down something that Tyler said while he was talking to Bill,
2: Mm
0: and it it just uh, let me know if you remember what the context was. But the line was, I'd be really wet, huh? Tight.
1: Uh, Oh, he wanted to go through a cloud.
0: Oh! (laughs) Yeah, that
2: was it. That was it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He was like, okay, I want to go skydiving and go through a cloud, and he's like, I'd probably be really wet. (laughs) Tight. (laughs)
0: that's right well thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> well so uh, Tyler Tyler and Jasper both go skydiving and that scene is great it's like they again vice editing uh mm-hmm. the way yeah, the way Tyler the way they de- depict Tyler's experience is like very calm he's like wow I'm floating and then they cut to Jasper and he's like whoa.
1: What <laughs> I first Just of all out. the jumpsuit that Tyler wears to oh, go skydiving yeah. so was the dopest thing ever. I was like, where do I buy that? <laughs> I need that. <laughs> it was like
0: a pink, pink jumpsuit with like flowers, flowers on all over it. it. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. Um yeah, and then at the end of the episode he says, uh and he's reflecting on his experience with skydiving. He says, It made me really appreciate white people, because only they would come up with something this crazy, which, um, very true. All right. <clears throat> Speaking as a, as a white person, um, yeah, I, I can confirm only white people will come up with that. Um, and I, I don't, I don't necessarily mean that as a compliment. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, the next episode is go-karts
2: mm-hmm.
0: and one of the one of my favorite things that tyler says in the whole show is at the beginning where he says he's he's talking about go karts and why he likes them and he says i don't know how to make a go kart but i have ideas and that's all it takes mm-hmm. and i was like wow yeah Go do it, Tyler.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he just like has his ideas. He's like, I don't know the first thing about it. I'm just gonna ask and see what comes out of it. Yeah, and like we should all be doing that in our own lives.
0: I yeah, I just I I really like that he just yeah he just has ideas and then he executes them even if they're just completely silly. Mm -hmm. Kind of shows that you know if you go through with your ideas, something good can come of it, uh, Mm -hmm. no matter what. If you have but in this case, if you have enough money. uh <laughs> I was like, yeah, he definitely has a lot of connections. But, <laughs> yeah.
1: but still, I mean, it's still a good lesson to kind of keep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, let's see. They meet with, for this episode, they meet with Bucky LASIK. I always thought it was Bucky LASIK. Um He was a former skateboarder turned, uh, I think, rally driver. I should really know that. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's a rally driver, but they get in one of these uh, razors, which is it's like a side by side off-roading side by side. That they take like off jumps and stuff, and it's really fast. Um, I've ridden in side by sides before. I've I've driven them uh, before with my uh, my dad and my brother in Wyoming. Um, they're cool. It's not it's not it's not my favorite thing to like ride in one, but when you're driving one, it's a lot more fun. But. Um, I wrote this whole kind of rant about cars uh in this one point that i'm looking at and i think i don't think i'll go too deep <laughs> into that um <laughs> you know it is a big pretty big rant well at the end of that uh experience with bucky they uh, <laughs> they ask him like oh could we make a go-kart And, like, take it off jumps and stuff. And then Bucky's like, no. You'll die. (laughs) You'll (laughs) You'll That'll hurt your spine or something. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then uh, after that, there's this whole scene where uh, Tyler and his friends are, they're go-karting. But they, it's like Mario Kart where they're, like, throwing (laughs) eggs and tomatoes and bananas bananas. (laughs) at each other. And they have these little driver pictures for each one of them um, to show, like, what place they're in. And they're, like, these pixelated like only made with like a very few colors, kind of like a very classic arcade uh, pixel picture. I just, I love that. Um, it's the, it's the small details. Vice, huh? They're
1: fantastic.
0: Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you work for Vice and you are editing these, uh, and you like to be on the podcast, let us know. I going to Um, well, yeah, so I, I love, what I really like about this episode is that he has this idea for an off-roading go-kart to take off of jumps, and everybody's basically like, no, that kind of goes against the idea of what a go-kart is, you can't really do that, mm-hmm. and then he finds the people that make one wheel, uh, one one wheel is like, uh, how do you explain what one wheel is? It's one wheel that goes. Yeah, it's, it's like a
1: skateboard with one giant wheel.
0: In the middle of it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you just lean, mm-hmm. almost like a hoverboard, but. Mm-hmm. But you're riding it like a board,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not a not straight, but like you know to the side. You're riding it like you know a skateboard. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he goes. He meets the one wheel people. They basically take like four one wheels, combine mm-hmm. them all together, mm-hmm. put a roll cage on it, mm-hmm. make it controllable with like a PlayStation Two controller. Um, and that's the whole thing. That's Mm -hmm. the whole go-kart that they make. Oh, and then they put a seat on it, of course. Yeah. And the seat is in the style of Tyler's belt that he's wearing. It's like a... Like the print. It's like a bright blue with... Is it like... was it flowers or was it fire? I don't think
1: it was flowers. It was just these like yellow design yeah. things. It doesn't
0: really matter, but.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Basically, I'm trying to give you a full picture of what this go-kart looked like. Because when Tyler sees the go-kart, after like eight weeks of them producing this go-kart, he's like. He hates it. He hates it. Yeah. He's he's not about it.
1: <laughs> but it's so funny. He's like, they are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? This is not at all what I had imagined.
0: <laughs> yeah. He, he really wanted something cool. and then Yeah. They My- gave, I mean, they gave him the most practice version of what he asked for which
1: yeah my favorite thing is like in his little like interview confessional thing he's like when i don't like something i'm just like wow that's crazy yeah. <laughs> and like it cuts to this moment where he's like they reveal the cart to him and he's like this is crazy <laughs> <laughs> i'm like that's so funny
0: yeah but then when he hopped in the go-kart he was mm-hmm. like whoa this is the coolest thing ever this is awesome yeah um he has like he has a blast he gets really dirty um, yeah he's yeah going all over the place' uh, I'm, I'm thinking about it now I I'm wondering why they would choose to make it um, controllable with a PlayStation 2 controller
1: well that's what he asked he was like what what's the reason for the PlayStation 2 and they were like for fun because it, it's it makes it cooler yeah but
0: yeah. I, I, like I get that it's just such an impractical idea because modern day controllers have like the, the triggers on the back, they, you know, they, you can feather them. So it's, you know, it's, it's, there's like fully pressed and Mm -hmm. then there's not pressed. And then there's like everything in between. There's like a full range, which works really well for, Um, driving games Mm -hmm. because you know you don't have to like rev all the way up just from pressing the button Uh, a playstation 2 controller all the buttons on a playstation 2 controller are either it's not being pressed or it's being pressed so i'm like how do you control i mean i mean obviously we did it in our video games back then but for like a real life thing um Mm -hmm. it's basically you're either not going or you're going full speed or maybe that's how go-karts just are
1: I feel like that's how they are. Yeah. You just go.
0: Good point. Wow. I'm like, good point. I have all this whole like, why would they do that? And then you just have the, like, like ten words. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like that's it. Um, one thing that I really loved about this episode, and particularly this like moment where he's like, it, this thing, this cart wasn't what he wanted, wanted and yeah. was expecting. Um, but what he says something where he's like You know we didn't get what I was Trying to accomplish as my goal for this episode right. But I still had a lot of fun And like we got this other thing um, and I really liked that because, you know, all the other ones, all the other episodes, he like gets, you know, what he wants. He's like, he gets his vision. Right. And then you have this one episode where it's like, it's not at all what he wanted, but he right. still had fun in the process. Yeah.
0: And then there's, this kind of like a don't judge a book by its cover kind of moment when yeah. he actually does enjoy writing in the thing, mm-hmm. despite not liking to, not enjoying looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the last episode that they do, he talks about furniture, and this is kind of what you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, they go to I I forget the name of the company. They go to this yeah. furniture company. It's like it's like an OG furniture company. They make furniture a long For time, years. yeah, years and, and years. it's it's like furniture that's like chairs and stuff that are good to look at, but also actually good to sit in. Um, which there's a whole massive market for that apparently Mm -hmm. and they were talking about the making of some of these chairs and there was a part that really stood out to me in the uh, creation process of these chairs where this lady says um we unwrapped a log in, in to like make this part of the chair and uh that that's where my mind kind of exploded because i did not know you could unwrap a log
1: yeah, like what it, I don't remember this part in this episode. What does she mean by that? Like well, taking off the bark and just like having
0: it. Well, so the way okay, the way that I was thinking of, I wasn't, I guess, I wasn't paying too much attention to what the actual process was. But when I hear unwrapping a log, I think about how there's multiple layers inside of right. a, a tree. Yeah. I imagine you like, I don't know, separating getting, the layers, separating the layers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and like making it almost like foldable when you say unwrap yeah i don't
1: know I don't
0: that's did you make it like really wet i don't know <laughs> how do you do that um anyway i that i was like that's that's nuts i also don't know anything about woodworking so good on ya. um mm-hmm. yeah so basically just in this episode he's just trying to make a new bed he doesn't have a bed in yeah. his bedroom Mm -hmm. and so he has this idea. He has this drawing of, like, a two-story bed with stairs on the outside, and then the bottom part, he... um, It's like a sitting space. It's just like a sitting space, yeah, and then...
1: Because he said he doesn't like when his friends try to sit on his bed in their outside clothes, which I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's gross. (laughs) Do not sit on my bed with the clothes you've been wearing all day. You're gross.
0: (laughs) So he makes it... A two-story bed yeah. so you have to really get up there in order to get on the bed and by the time you get halfway up those stairs in your outside clothes he can say no <laughs> well yeah they, they get uh they get this guy to help him basically execute this idea and they make a uh they make it in his bedroom and it barely fits but it does fit and it's like it's such a simple idea but it's the final product it's it, like it looks cool. really cool yeah. yeah yeah so that okay that's really all i have to say about that episode it's just about furniture um mm-hmm. I and mean, we're sitting on chairs right now um <laughs> yeah yeah it made me look at how all the different ways that we as humans use wood mm-hmm. and that kind of blows my mind because I would just be like, what well, do you just cut it into different pieces and shapes? And that's what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they're talking about unwrapping long. So, <laughs> wow. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I was just kind of like my final point really just about the show is I, I really brought this up earlier, but just kind of putting a cap on it is, uh, yeah, no matter how silly or stupid your idea might seem to someone, um, you can like you know execute that idea and really turn it into something special, which I think uh, I think is kind of a uh, the, the theme of this episode mm-hmm. overall, um, with especially what we're about to start talking about. But before we move on, do you have any uh, final final bits about nuts and bolts with Tyler the creator?
1: I don't. I just I love Tyler, um, and yeah, I just like I love his creativity. He's like. He has, like, the mind of a child, and I love that. Yeah. Like, he's just very creative, very, like, fun. Yeah. And, yeah, that's why I really enjoy the show, and I wanted you to watch it, because it's just, it's just fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It was it
0: was a lot of fun. I, yeah, it made me feel very inspired.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's moving on. on. Would you like to uh, share what I... Yes. There's a lot to get through on this one. Um
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so i'm gonna jump in so um i was assigned to watch both the room and the disaster artists um my previous exposure to these things i dem- i never watched the disaster artists um and in terms of the room i'd only seen clips of it like i saw the part where he's like um What's which i'll get into later
0: what is what is the room Who... yes i'll get
1: into that ah, okay I- i'm just giving like a quick overview i saw this part where he like was on a balcony or whatever and that's about it Um, And so in terms of what The Room is actually about, (laughs) um, so synopsis, Um, pretty much The Room is about this character named Johnny, um, and Johnny is planning to marry Lisa.
0: And this movie came out in 2003.
1: Yes, 2003. Um, Johnny is planning to marry Lisa. He's like head over heels for this girl. Um, We find out Lisa does not love him and instead loves his best friend, Mark. And so the whole movie essentially is just Lisa saying that she doesn't love Johnny and she wants to be with Mark mm-hmm. and they're just, <laughs> and her and Mark are kind of like having this affair behind Johnny's back. Yes. By the end of the movie, um, Johnny finds out and trigger warning for anyone, um, he commits suicide yes. because of that. Um, yes. And so, yeah, that's. Really, the movie.
0: <laughs> well, who who directed this movie? Who who wrote this movie? Yeah. Who stars in this movie? Yes. Yeah, so, do you happen um, to know who produced it?
1: <laughs> I will get to that. <laughs> I will get to that. Um. So yeah. So the movie is created by Tommy Wiseau, um, which is just Tommy Wiseau. a random guy, essentially, just this random dude. Well, he's
0: at the time, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. I mean, I would argue still. <laughs>
0: Kind he's of just a random dude. Well, he's he's very well known by for this for this yeah, now, yeah, yeah, 2022. But at the time, it was yeah. He seemed like a very shady character.
1: Yeah, in terms of the actors who are actually in the room, I have no clue what their names are. I don't. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I um, I've got some of their names. Um, but we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, just to clarify, when we say that Tommy Wiseau made this movie, we mean that he. He directed wrote it. it, wrote it, produced it, starred in it. Yeah, so he plays Johnny. Yes. He um, plays Johnny.
1: Yes. So this is very much his project. Um, so how I'm gonna kind of like explain this, because this is a lot of content to get through. Yes. I'm gonna kind of talk about the room and throughout while I talk about the room, sprinkle in the things that I, we see in the disaster artists.
0: Okay. And I just I just have notes about just the whole story, I guess, around everything. Yeah. So I'll chime in when it's when it seems like the right time.
1: Okay. Um so to start off with after watching The Room. So I had all my feelings and thoughts about the room itself that I'll talk about in a second. Um but then having watched The Disaster Artist after that, The Disaster Artist, the, the comments that were made in The Disaster Artist. So there's a part in The Disaster Artist where they're they're at the premiere of this movie. Uh-huh. And so you see all the actors that were in The Room watching the the movie Watching, for the like, first the final time
0: cut for the first time yeah, right
1: and every comment that they made about the movie was every comment that i had so i felt so validated <laughs> <laughs> i was like am i like am i does everyone feel the way i feel about this movie and apparently yes because they all made every single comment that to, i made
0: to, to clarify who people are not familiar with the room um this movie's bad it's,
1: yes, it's an awful movie. It's
0: awful, um, but it's so bad. It's good. It's probably one of the, its, if not the most famous, so bad it's good movie that exists. Because yeah, because I feel
1: like this and like Birdemic are like.
0: Yeah, but I've never seen Birdemic.
1: But like everyone knows Birdemic.
0: Everybody knows what Birdemic is, but like Birdemic's kind of low key trying to be what it is. The Room was trying to be. This big, grand, greatest movie of all time, and that's what makes it so amazing because it's mm-hmm. because of how it turned out. and mm-hmm. it is hilarious to watch. I think I've seen it four times now, which mm-hmm. is more than I can say for the a, a whole bunch of movies that I do like. yeah, so or for movies that are like actually good. This movie's bad, but I enjoy it mm-hmm. so much um, that I've seen it four times anyway.
1: I am not gonna sit. I am not gonna watch this again. <laughs> the
0: room. You're never gonna watch it again. No, it's so it's, funny. It's
1: so. It felt long. Oh my gosh. It's I'm only gonna, like ninety even, minutes. Oh, it felt like forever. So, so oh. let me. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Um. Well, probably why part of the reason, uh, part of the reason why you feel like it uh, went on forever was because uh, I, f- I found this uh, interesting piece of information that basically says. Um, everything that happens between the second sex scene in the movie and the birthday party scene is not at all relevant to the plot.
1: Well, yeah. At all. Yeah. I literally have notes. The, we'll get through the, the scenes. Yeah, we'll get okay, through them. Okay. Okay. Because I have notes about how repetitive this is, how like nothing really serves a purpose. Yeah. Between these pieces.
0: There's like four sex scenes in the movie and three of them are in the first 25 minutes.
1: Yeah. It's all, it's all just fluff. It's all just stuff it, yeah. for the purpose of stuff to like have content. So, getting into the actual clips, the actual movie. So, basically, at the start of this movie, we have we see Johnny, we see Lisa. They're having this kind of like romantic moment where he <laughs> buys her a new dress. She's like, she puts it on. It's like it's supposed to be sexy. Um, and they like go upstairs. And I'll talk about there's some random characters in here. I'll talk about in a minute. But yeah. I'll get to that in a second.
0: When she, would she. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Uh, yeah. No, when she comes downstairs wearing your dress, uh, Johnny says, like, wow, Lisa, you look so sexy. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's like this, like, moment of, like, them, you know, being intimate. So they go upstairs to have an intimate moment, um, a.k.a. a sex scene. Um, and this sex scene lasts forever. Ever. It is the longest scene I have ever... And they're not doing anything. They're kind of just... They're swaying around. She like rubs a rose on his stomach. Like they're not doing anything. And then like...
0: The candles are lit. Yeah.
1: And they do that for, I kid you not what feels like, 10 minutes. Yeah. And then in the last like one minute is like the actual like sex part. Um, Yep. And... So
0: they got... um, (laughs) I I think they used about every piece of footage they had from filming those sex scenes, which uh, the actress that played Lisa thought that they were only going to use like a few seconds of that footage, um, but they use all of the footage. But then um, they film Tommy and this actress. Uh, they, they film the scene once and then later on in production, Tommy decides he wants another sex scene in the movie and her and the rest of the crew basically refused to mm-hmm. film another sex scene. So they just reuse the same footage from the first sex scene in the next sex scene between the two of them.
1: Um, that makes so much sense.
0: Yeah, which is wild. But there's there's also jokes about how, like, the... It's like he's having sex with her belly button. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. But in the disaster artists, too, when they're filming this scene, Tommy is really terrible to oh, the actress. Yeah. And, like... Yes. And just, like... I feel like it was like a really uncomfortable, just like, she's not being taken care of. He's just like, let's do this, blah, 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 like not, yeah, yeah. not caring about how she's feeling, if she's comfortable.
0: Yeah. And we
1: see that his friend who plays Mark, so his actual real life friend plays Mark. Gr- um, yeah, Greg. Yeah, Greg. Who plays Mark. He, yeah, he kind of like steps up and is like, S- like, you're making her uncomfortable. Like, stop, like stop. And then she's like, let's just do it. Let's just do it. And, yeah, what I really appreciated was, one, that the crew was, like, stepping in and being like, Tommy, you're being – like, you're doing too much. Yeah. Like, you're really being harmful. Um, but at the same time – and I'll talk about this a little bit later. I still think Greg – I do not think Greg is, like – and I won't. I don't want to talk about it like this because I, they're real people. Right. But – um i did not like greg (laughs) okay and i feel like he didn't do enough i feel like he really reinforced tommy's behaviors Mm. and i didn't appreciate that
0: well okay so all right okay uh just to give like provide like a a big picture here so um okay in the room there's yeah tommy who made the movie plays johnny and then greg sistero plays Mark, who's the best friend that Lisa is cheating with. And mm-hmm. then in The Disaster Artist, which is actually directed by James Franco, um, James Franco plays Tommy, and then Dave Franco, his brother, plays uh, Greg Sestero. Mm-hmm. And um, The Disaster Artist, the actual the movie, is based on a book mm-hmm. called The Disaster Artist, which was written... By Greg Sestero. Mm. So it's like, the, I've read the Disaster Artist book. It's it's great. And it gets into a lot of details that they aren't, don't cover in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all written like... It's, it's from written his point of view. From his point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, well, yeah, the whole story about like how they met and their friendship and all of that. I mean, it's it's complicated because Tommy was kind of giving him an opportunity to move to L.A., because um, tommy had this apartment in la and greg always wanted to be an actor so mm-hmm. it kind of like gave him the avenue to go you know have an opportunity so he's kind of grateful to him for that but then also at the same time he's like this guy's really weird i don't know a lot about him he doesn't really have very many friends um and he wants to make this movie with me it anyway it's yeah
1: i mean i i get like being grateful to someone, but at the same time, that doesn't...
0: Well, he does call him out hard in the movie.
1: He does, but, like, at the same time, doesn't, in my opinion. I think...
0: I think... So, I think the Disaster Artist movie kind of, like, depicts their friendship in, a, I guess, more, like... I mean, a more positive and healthier version than it probably was in real life. mm mm-hmm. Because um, I think, like, Greg just got so fed up with Tommy. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's the part in the room where uh, everything kind of blows up at the end and Tommy finds out that Greg and Lisa are cheating. Um, and uh, Tommy's like calling him out. And then, or Johnny, I guess I should say, is calling out Mark. And Mark's like, why don't you keep your stupid comments in your pocket? Um, and, or maybe, I don't know if I just, he might've actually been delivering that line to a different character. More on that later. But um but in that moment, when he was delivering that line, um, in the book, it like talks. He talks about how like that anger that he channeled and delivering that line was all like really just meant for Tommy because he was so mm-hmm. just pissed off at him at that point. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I'll I'll get to more of yeah, my we'll thoughts on Greg that, yeah. in a minute. But <laughs> so continuing on with the story of the room. So like I said, they have this intimate moment. Everything seems great. This is like your first introduction really to these characters, especially like them as a couple. And then out of nowhere, we get this scene where Lisa's mom comes over, mom, which mom, <laughs> mom pops in mom. and out of the movie throughout the entire... Every other scene, the mom shows up to yeah. the apartment yeah. to talk to Lisa about yep. the same thing yep. and then leaves and, and then, then comes back in the next scene. Yep. It's so weird. It makes no sense. It's hilarious. So weird. And so anyway... So mom shows up and Lisa goes, I don't like I don't like Johnny. He's boring and I, don't I wanna be with him anymore. Yeah, I wanna be with this other man. And it just comes out of nowhere because yep. based on that previous scene, you wouldn't even think that. Yeah. And it's, it it's you're just like, field. What? Huh? Um, and so throughout the movie. I do not like Lisa. Lisa is toxic. She's manipulative. She's harassing.
0: Oh yeah, Lisa is horrible. She's horrible. She's super toxic. Like the most. I was I was watching and I was like uncomfortable. I was like she's awful. She's
1: yeah, like triggering. Yeah, very triggering.
0: <laughs> like she's just depicted as the most manipulative, toxic yes. individual. That could possibly exist. But there's, yeah. there's, there's some, an analysis on, on that. On yeah. That.
1: There's up? some specific lines that I just like oh, it made me just like fume. So there's there's a part where she like coerces Johnny to drink and he's like, I don't drink. And oh she's like, gosh. here, yeah. drink, keep drinking. And she's like trying to get him drunk.
0: It's so bad. Um
1: and I hated that. And anytime she wanted something from a male, whether it was Johnny or whether it was Mark, she'd be like, you owe me. Like, yeah. sleep with me. You owe me. And I, oh my gosh. I was like, no. <laughs> I just want to
0: clarify. Apparently, um, from, the, uh, from what I've read online, the actress that plays Lisa is in real life, is, like, the sweetest person.
1: Oh, I believe it. Yeah. The, so, basically, in the when we see her in the disaster artist, and I, this is actually one of the comments that I had, I was like, you, you know, you watch The Room, you're like, oh, like, oh, she's awful. And then you see the disaster artist, and you feel, like, really bad for her. And you're like, oh, my God. First of all, because, like, Tommy treats her like crap. Yeah. And then, like, she seems so sweet and amazing and is just, like, doing her best. And so it's, like, this weird juxtaposition. And I, I wrote down in my notes, it's like, you have the you have the room where Johnny's making everyone the villain yeah. and making everyone just so horrible and he's the victim. Yeah. And then you see the disaster artist and it's completely flipped. Yeah, and you see that Tommy's the like monster, yeah. right. And everyone's like the victim of his like crazy antics, yep. um, which is really interesting to, to get that kind of juxtaposition.
0: Yeah. The uh, apparently, um, from what I remember, the, there was a different woman that was originally cast as Lisa and the actress that ended up playing her was cast as that random friend that she confides in a couple times in, um, in the movie. And the, I guess it just wasn't working out with the actress that they originally chose. And then the, I guess because the actress that they originally chose probably couldn't put up with all of Tommy's antics. And so, uh, she stepped in to play Lisa mostly because, she was the only person that was able to like put up with him, mm-hmm. um, and just like do what he asked, like oh, all of that's the, so the sad. deal with all of the harassment. Yeah,
1: that's so terrible. I I feel so bad. Yeah, um, yeah. So and then one other this is like a very petty comment at one point she pours wine into these like champagne oh. flutes, <laughs> and for some reason that really bothered me and I'm not like a, an alcohol snob. Like I will drink wine out of like a solo cup. I don't care. But like the fact that it was these champagne flutes like,
0: <laughs> felt so off. Yeah. It was pretty weird <laughs> when you pointed it out. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I, yikes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah. So throughout the movie, the room, We get these random characters that I said really serve no purpose aside from just being able to have more conversation about the same thing. Yeah. Oh, Um, yeah.
0: They have every character, every conversation in this movie is practically the same conversation multiple times where everybody's saying, oh, like, why is Lisa cheating with uh, Mark and like... Uh, Johnny is so good to Lisa. Yeah. Johnny and Mark are best friends. I, I found a note. Um apparently they mentioned that Johnny and Mark are best friends seven times in Honestly, this whole I mean. movie. Yeah. yeah. It's <sighs> it happens every ten minutes. It's like Johnny's my best friend. Mm-hmm. It's like
1: And Lisa's like, I know he's your best he's friend. He's your best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to introduce these random characters. The first one we have is Denny. And Denny is this creepy kid <laughs> who lives across that poor that, Denny. Yeah, that he's so creepy. That Johnny like pays his rent. I guess to live in the same building that they live in. And he Johnny's basically like his like dad yeah his father figure and so that's why i I, because i wrote down notes of like me trying to process like why they what purpose they served in the movie and i'm like okay this is probably just to make johnny look even better like look like this very caring man yes and like make this whole affair even worse because like how could she to this man who's so amazing and like has taken denny under his wing and all this stuff but during the during the movie denny (laughs) is very interested in like johnny and lisa's like sexual intimacy yeah, and like kind of like, like when they go up to the, they're like, "Denny, go home? Like we're hanging out and they go up to their room and Denny just stays there and listens and then walks up into the room and like jumps in the bed with them. Yeah.
0: This is that first sex scene that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. uh, Jumps in the bed with them. It's
1: so strange. And they're like, Denny, like three's a crowd. Ha ha. Like, like go away. And And he's like,
0: I just like to watch you guys. Yeah.
1: (laughs) He's so weird. (laughs) So weird. So my favorite thing is in the disaster, artist denny is played by josh hutcherson yeah,
0: which, it's perfect
1: it is so amazing i love it it's so funny and we see josh hutcherson when they, he's at the premiere he's like this is weird yeah. <laughs> like watching this denny scene yeah um, which so, is hilarious
0: so I have, a, I have a fun fact about denny's character um so the actor that played him his name is uh, philip haldeman um apparently Denny's character is supposed to have some kind of mental disorder mm. which is supposed to explain his behavior but the actor was never told that by Tommy
1: oh my gosh yeah
0: <laughs> it's like that's why that's supposed to explain why he would like just jump into bed with them and be like I just like to watch you guys
1: but like what m- mental illness would that that's be that's
0: just non-specific <laughs> yeah it, the version of it that exists in Tommy's head that like just <laughs> mental disorder yeah cool
1: oh my gosh that's what he's got But yeah, Yeah. he
0: never told the actor that. So the actor's like, Why am I doing all this weird stuff?
1: (laughs) It's so strange. And his haircut is just Oh, it's
0: it's iconic. It's
1: oh my gosh. So yeah, so that's and at at some point Denny confesses that he's in love with Lisa and then Johnny's like, Haha, you're like her son. And that's and that's it. And like there's really no reason for that moment. Well
0: no, I mean, well, yeah. And Johnny also it's this, it's this, probably it's this moment that's written into the movie so that uh, Tommy can kind of give his kind of like positive views on the world or mm. like the possibility for what's possible, Sorry. <laughs> what? the possibility <laughs> for what's possible. Because um, he has this line that people uh, really attach themselves to um, where he says, if a lot of people love each other, the world would be a better place to live.
1: Mm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, well, yeah, Denny also has another scene with uh, Chris R. Did you want to? Yeah,
1: I'll get to that because I want to that? I'll ex- okay. I explain Chris R. Okay. Um, so we'll get to him later. Um, so the next kind of random character is. i believe her name's claudette Claudette. which is lisa's mom yes um and like i said i mean i've already mentioned this but she literally pops up in every scene she's just always around but at the end of her little dialogue she's always like i have to go but yet she shows up again and at some point in the movie i lost track of like i was like is this all happening in the same day like because she kept it seems like they just like kept going back to this yeah this for a little bit there it looked like they kept, like, coming... Her and Lisa kept coming back to the apartment on, like, the same day. And I was like, what are they doing? Um, but then I was like, wait a second. No, no, no. This is different days.
0: Um, yeah. Every time Claudette shows up in the scene... Yeah. It's, like, it's clear that she's showing up to the apartment. Yeah. And then they have a small conversation. And then she immediately leaves.
1: Yeah. And every time they have this scene lisa goes i'm not in love with johnny and the mom goes oh my gosh stop you need to marry him he's He's a great guy he treats you so well which like first of all i don't like lisa but also if my mom said that mess if i was like oh i want to get out of this relationship (laughs) and she was like but he treats you so well i'd I'd be like literally go away (laughs) like no do not sit here and like force me to stay with this man if i don't want to stay with them And pretty much everybody in this movie, whenever Lisa like tells us to, like she has another random friend that she kind of like tells us to, they're all like, "Oh my gosh, no!" But like, stay with like, why would you do that to him? Yeah, and so yeah, no one really kind of like validates her feelings. I mean, she shouldn't be cheating, but yeah, it's just weird. So that brings me to the second uh random couple. I don't even know their names. Oh,
0: (laughs) Oh shoot. Um. Nope.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't even know when they say their name. It might be Mike. Who knows? Mike
0: and is it is it Robin or is that the name of the actress? I don't know.
1: I don't know. But anyways, we get introduced to this random couple because they show up to Johnny and Lisa's apartment. To have sex. Like, they're just there to... They're just there to hook up. Yeah, Yeah. to hook up. Which, like, why don't... Why would they go to someone else's house to do that? I
0: was was just thinking about this when you were talking about how Denny's in the movie to show that Johnny's, like, this good guy. Um, So thinking of it in that light for, like why it's? I think they exist in the movie to show that, like, oh, Johnny's such a cool guy. You can just go to his house anytime. You can hook up at Johnny's house. It's fine. He didn't care. Um, which is weird.
1: Yes. To put in the movie, like these are these are not like young people. Like these are adults.
0: These are adults that just show up. To yeah. Like hook up why to are his they house? not yeah. doing
1: that at their own house? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's just they really again they serve no purpose. At least the girl. Character, she like talks to Lisa, and like Lisa's there to kind of Voice vent of to reason. her. Yeah, right. Um, this guy character though, he he He's has nothing. like one. He has like one interaction with Johnny, and it's him just like talking about how the mom and Lisa caught him and this girl like hooking up, and how embarrassing it was. And that's it.
0: Okay, I can explain that scene and why it's there. Um, it's a pretty great reason. So. <laughs> <laughs> So this guy, I'm going to call him Mike. I'm pretty sure that's his character's name. So yeah, there's this when when Mike and his girlfriend are at uh, the apartment, the room, I guess I should say. Um, yeah, uh, Lisa and her mom catch them, and then they they like run out. But then he ends up coming back because he left his underwear there. And then there's a later scene where they're in the alleyway, and he is talking to Johnny about how Lisa's mom saw his underwear, and Johnny's like, huh, well, that's life. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and then they start throwing a football, um, Yeah. and then there's this part where they're throwing a football where he, like, like falls and hits, like, the trash can, and it's like he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So that was put in the movie, because apparently, in real life, he had actually hurt himself, and um, so there was a, there's a later scene in the movie that they filmed where he's wearing a cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody pointed out to Tommy that like, oh, he's got a uh-huh. cast in the scene. We need something to explain yeah. why he's wearing a cast. Yeah. So then Tommy wrote that scene and put it in. However... The scene that they filmed, where he's wearing a cast, didn't even end up making it into the final movie. So they just put this scene in there. Oh my gosh! I don't even know but why. But like,
1: even if you were gonna throw <laughs> put in the scene where he falls, there's no need for that dialogue. It, like, no, of none him of it. Explaining that story.
0: No, no absolutely none of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so strange. I love, I love that that's the reason why the scene exists. Yeah, and that it doesn't even pay um. off <laughs> to why they filmed it in the first place. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so this is a random couple. Um, another random character we have Chris R. Chris R. only shows up for one scene, um, and it's this is fantastic. <laughs> it is a fantastic scene. Um, and so pretty much we see Denny is on the rooftop. They they're either in the apartment or they're on this rooftop. Denny is on this rooftop, kind of like tossing a little football around. He always has a football with him. Um, and Chris R comes up on the roof and is like, where's my money? And Denny's like, I will get it in, fifth, in like five minutes. And he's like, give me my money, give me my money, like holds him at gunpoint. Denny like gets upset and then Tommy and Lisa and the mom come up and like save him. Which one? How did they even know he was up there? And then, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, two, they're asking Denny, they're like, what, what are you t- like? What, what is kind of money about? do yeah. you owe him? What, why do you owe him money? And we find out this is like f- for drugs. For some, drugs. Yeah. Some, Undisclosed drugs. Yeah. Drugs. um Which, again, like, what reason is this in there? Like,
0: I have no idea.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. However, in the Disaster Artist, <laughs> yeah. Chris R is played by Zac Efron. Yeah, and so, okay, so we, funny. We had to <laughs> rewind it because I didn't. I did not realize it was Zac Efron. And we watched the whole scene, and then like Parker says, like. Oh my gosh! Like it's so funny they got Zac Efron for that, and I was like, "That was Zac Efron." Rewind. Like I have to watch this again, <laughs> and it made it twenty million times funnier. It was
0: so funny! It's
1: hilarious. He
0: gets like super amped up and like really intense, which apparently so the the actor that plays Chris R, just uh, also random fact about uh, Chris R. Just want to make sure I clarify, his character's name um, is Chris R. It's not Chris. It's Chris hyphen capital R. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's how it's in the credits in the movie. Um, that's It's not... His name is Chris mm-hmm. Richardson, and they call him Chris R. No, it's like, it's Chris yeah. hyphen R. And we see, um, like,
1: Josh Hutcherson and the disaster artist be like, can I just call him Chris? And Tommy's like, no, it's, no, Chris, it's Chris R. R.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Chris R is played by this guy, Dan Janjigian, um, who... Uh, he was roommates with the guy that played Mike, and they needed a guy, um, and he was really tall, so he got like really intense to like do that role um, for that one scene. But uh, another fun fact about Dan Janjigian, uh, the actor of R, he competed in the 2002 Winter Olympics representing Armenia in the two-man bobsled. Um,
1: wow! Yeah. If I'm being honest. Chris R was the best actor in that whole movie. Yeah. I like I'll give him applause because he did a fantastic job in that scene. Yeah, he's
0: like a sales and entrepreneur kind of guy nowadays. I he has a whole wiki page. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, what's funny is that in the Disaster Artist, when they show Josh Hutcherson and Zac Efron, you know, playing the characters and acting out the scene they show the alleyway scene. And Mm -hmm. it's like one of the first scenes that they filmed for the movie. Um, But then in the actual movie, The Room, that scene takes place on the rooftop. Yeah. So what happened there was that they filmed the scene in the alleyway. Then later, Tommy decided that if they put it on the rooftop, it would be more dramatic Mm -hmm. um, and intense. Mm -hmm. So they filmed it again later Mm -hmm. on the rooftop. And apparently, so... Greg Sestero, uh, I think called Dan mm-hmm. to have him reshoot the scene and Dan replied to him, uh, has Tommy blown the setup yet? Um, mm-hmm. so, like everybody knew when they were filming this movie that like, you know, Tommy's kind of wild. Like this is, this production is off kilter. It's weird. Like mm-hmm. some people thought it was like a money laundering scheme, mm-hmm. um. Which is all very valid mm-hmm. um anyway so they, they reshot the scene on the rooftop and according to what i was reading it cost them eighty thousand dollars to do that reshoot oh
1: my gosh uh, yeah yeah ridiculous um chris r <laughs> that's that's chris r i <laughs> wish we saw more um so the last kind of random person that i wrote down was a psychologist friend who his name's like peter peter, peter. Um, and <laughs> if I'm being honest, I don't quite remember like what he really did. He, ta- he talks to Tommy for a little bit and Tommy's like, you're a psychologist, like help me out. And then he says something and Tommy's like, or sorry, Johnny, I'm getting the mix up. Johnny is like, you're a psychologist, like help me out, like help me process this. And then he like gives him advice or whatever. And then Johnny's like, stop psychologizing us. And it's yeah. like, it's so, it's so weird. Um, and yeah, he's just, he really serves no purpose. Like, like, half of these characters don't serve a purpose. Yep. Um. So I'm not going to spend too much time on him.
0: Well, he, he's uh, he's played by um Nathan Fielder, who has a show called Nathan For You, which a lot of people like. It's mm. actually very highly rated on IMDb. I'm looking at it right now. It's got an 8.9 on IMDb. Um. Well, I, I do have some fun facts about Peter, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, these are interesting little tidbits. Uh, so th- there's a part where Peter is, like, standing and he's kind of, like, touching things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not clear what he's doing. Apparently the actor had recently had a concussion and Tommy wouldn't let him go to like, you know, get checked on it. So he's, when he's like randomly touching things, it's because he's like so out of it. Oh my gosh. But then later in the movie, it's like Peter's there and then he just like suddenly is no longer in the movie. And then they're at the birthday party scene where, you know, everything's blowing up and there's this random other friend that shows up. So that random other friend, I don't even know what that character's name was. That was supposed to be Peter.
2: Oh. But
0: because they, the the shoot was only supposed to last 40 days and they ended up going well over that. And so he had a prior acting commitment. So he okay. had to leave. So that he couldn't finish filming all of his scenes. So they brought in this random other guy yeah. who we have no context for, like who yeah. he is yeah. or anything. Um, so yeah, the, he, that's, yeah, Peter just disappears, uh, disappears from the movie. And uh, yeah, I think, that, I think that was all my Peter facts. <laughs>
1: oh, wow. Um, so yeah, so that's really all that I had in terms of like the room. um. But I kind of talking about the disaster artist a little bit more. um. Yeah. So going back to my point of how I felt Greg was uh-huh. like, I don't want to say I didn't sympathize with him because I did, but like, I don't know. I just, I didn't like the way Greg was handling things. Um, yeah, because like I said, I that's felt fair. like he was reinforcing Tommy's behavior, and like if someone's being this horrible, there's no way I'm like supporting you, yeah, right? I'm yeah. not continuing on with this project because I don't agree with what you're doing, and I'm gonna call you out on it. But Greg, he calls Tommy out, but then like still does everything for Tommy. Yeah, and so like we have this part in the disaster, the disaster artist where Greg meets Brian Cranston. Cranston is that his name?
0: Uh yeah, Brian Cranston. Brian
1: Cranston. And Brian Cranston is like, Oh, we have this part on Malcolm in the Middle that's perfect for you because you have this like beard that's very like like we're looking for like a lumberjack and you have that kind of beard. Um and so Greg goes to Tommy and is like, Hey can I just get like a, a reschedule for my shoot cuz I need my beard like, and I know you I know you want me to cut it off for this scene.
0: Yeah, cuz um, they're going to film the scene the next day, but right. uh Brian Cranston asked him to play the lumberjack on Malcolm in the Middle that day, so Right.
1: so he asked to um get the scene pushed back to to another day. And Tommy's like no, like you're betraying me. Like, why would you go and take this part? And Greg's like, you know, this is a big opportunity. It's Malcolm in the Middle. It's a big show. It can really help me take off. And he's and Tommy basically is like, you choose me or you choose him. Um, and he 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 doesn't he, he, go to Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. And I'm like, why?
0: Okay, so in why? real life, uh, you know, that didn't really happen, or well, at least what the heck. <laughs> well, okay, so, so well, maybe maybe something like that kind of happened but for the disaster artist they did it where it was like brian cranston and malcolm in the middle but like it, you know it wasn't brian cranston malcolm in yeah. the Middle in, in real life um i don't know i mean i think i thought that that scene was kind of put into the disaster artist to show just kind of like how bad of a friend tommy really was mm-hmm. i mean yeah so greg greg did kind of like cave in but i think probably from greg's perspective it's like uh, you know, Tommy, I mean, Tommy was guilt tripping him saying like, I made this whole movie for you, Greg.
2: Mm-hmm. Like I
0: made this so that we could be in a movie together and, mm-hmm. you know, did all this stuff, you're not grateful to me, yeah. which is all fair, but it's like very crappy thing to say to somebody. Yeah. Um, and from Greg's perspective, like he's trying to be a professional, Yeah. you know, like if, if they, if Tommy's saying, no, we can't move the scene. To when you're supposed to shave your beard for the movie, which does not serve mm-hmm. anything <laughs> it doesn't serve the movie at all for him to walk into this scene with a shaved beard. But um you know, if Tommy's saying, like, oh, you know, like that is technically like if if Greg just doesn't show up and they're the whole production crew is planning to film this mm-hmm. scene, yeah. um, it throws everything off, it screws over everybody else. So I kinda understand why yeah, because Tommy wouldn't let him do it, that he would, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, cave to yeah, it. I get that, and like Tommy is like a manipulator, and like in that situation, it is kind of like hard to to figure out what the best thing to do is. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I was just I was very frustrated with Greg because I was like, you're reinforcing it, and yeah. and like, like the even the production crew or like the crew. Like, they were like, we're not doing this. <laughs> we're leaving. Like, yeah. goodbye. We're not going to, we're not doing this. Yeah. And I feel like Greg could have, like, I feel like Greg wasn't on that kind of same level of, like, we're not tolerating this unless you change something. Yeah. He was just kind of, like, at times I felt like making excuses for Tommy. And yeah. that really bothered me. Yeah. Especially because of how harmful Tommy was being to people.
0: Well, yeah, they, they depict that scene in The Disaster Artist like Greg's girlfriend gets really upset at him for making that choice. And it yeah. kind of they, they they play it out as if like that's the reason why they broke up, even mm-hmm. though probably in real life it's a lot more complicated than that. But, mm-hmm. you know, they are just trying to show in The Disaster Artist like, you know, neither one of them is really being great in that situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that that's really all I have in terms of like Greg um okay but i do have some questions so
0: oh i've got so many answers i've got <laughs> i got facts we haven't even gotten to yet oh my
1: gosh maybe we I feel like we've been recording for a long time nope. so we, yeah. we i don't want like a we five do hour it all. episode we
0: gotta do it all
1: um i really only have a few questions the first is so i have questions about the room and then i have questions about disaster artists okay the first question about the room um why is it called the room is it because of the apartment like it's mostly filmed in that one place i
0: figured you were gonna ask that yeah um so i'm pretty sure that when people asked tommy why it was called the room he says because you know when you think of a room it's it's an intimate place and um yeah and most of the movie takes place in the same room which is his living room in his apartment
1: yeah Mm -hmm. okay got it it's Uh, still a strange name (laughs) yeah for like what the for what the premise is, yes. like where does that come from? Yeah. Um, the second thing is, are there parts where there's voiceover? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> because there are parts where I swear. Johnny's lips are not moving yes. but there is sound and then especially in the flower shop which is like iconic. Oh, I love
0: that scene. <laughs> he walks into the flower shop and yeah.
1: he like walk is- he like walks it's in such and fast the dialogue scene. the dialogue like overlaps. It's like the yep. the woman who's like the florist and yep. his lines yep. are on top of each other. Yep. It's like they're not answering each other because it's like yep. <laughs> so fast
0: there's so much to dissect in um just that flower shop scene so okay before i get to talking about the flower shop scene yes so they there are some parts where they overdubbed it in post-production um and the reason for that was because mostly like tommy wa- he couldn't remember his lines um when they were filming yeah so um not all the audio that they got in the like the visual looked good but the audio didn't sound great so um, yeah, there was a lot of parts where, especially for Tommy, they, yeah. he dubbed his voice over in post-production. Yes. Um, it was and so you can tell, clear. It yeah. was so clear.
1: <laughs> I was like, his mouth didn't move, but yet words were there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like what?
0: <laughs> um, but in that, that flower shop scene. So that was, that was filmed in a real flower shop in San Francisco after they'd done all the principal photography on set in Los Angeles. They, um, you know, like Greg, uh Greg, Tommy, Todd and some other guys. Todd being the uh the guy, the last director of photography that they get. There was apparently three directors of photography. The first one being Raphael. Um he gets he gets fired um or leaves anyway. Uh mm-hmm. Not really important, but um that scene was shot in an actual flower shop. The lady that works at the flower shop mm-hmm. in the movie actually worked at that flower shop in real life.
2: Wow. So
0: they how that scene goes is just, it's just a scene to show that Tommy or the, to to show that Johnny is buying Lisa roses. Mm-hmm. And so he walks into this scene or he, he walks into this flower shop. He's like, he's like, hello. And then she's like, Oh, hi Johnny. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see I didn't know you. you. I didn't
1: know it was you. Which is like, how do you not know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, and I think, uh, I think Seth Rogen, Seth, Seth Rogan is in the disaster artist. He plays yeah. Sandy Schlaer, which is one of the, uh, he was a script supervisor on set. He also got fired partway through production.
1: Yeah. Um
0: but anyway, yeah, when he's watching it for the first time, he's like, "How do you not notice that guy?" No,
1: literally. Um, I wrote a I made a note and I was like everything Seth Rogen says in The Disaster Artist was a question I had. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like yeah. everything and my favorite is when the like um alley scene when they're shooting the oh, it's like, with why Denny sh- and he's like, "There's an actual alley. Why are we shooting right out on outside? like a yeah. set alley?" Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um so anyway, this flower shop scene. Yeah, she, she's like, "Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't notice it was you." He's like, "Can I get a dozen roses, please?" And she's like, "Sure." And she just hands it to him, and then she be like, "That'll be, you know, twenty dollars." And then he gives her the money. He's like, "Keep the change." She's like, "Thank you. You're my favorite customer." And then <laughs> and he's like, he, "Hi, doggy." And then he <laughs> says, "Hi, doggy," because there's they did not know
1: mm-hmm.
0: nobody. Tommy, the production crew, did not notice that dog um, <laughs> that was sitting on this counter because there's just this old. Pudgy dog sitting on the counter. <laughs> Nobody noticed it. What? Until that moment where Tommy's like, Hi doggy, and then he walks out. That was the moment Tommy noticed the dog. Um
1: <laughs> it's, so
0: it's amazing.
1: Weird. It's so weird. And throughout the movie, johnny Johnny, like the character it's like his dialogue is so sporadic. It's yeah. just these random little things. Like the most iconic thing is when he's like, I did not hit her. Like I did not. And then he's like, oh, hi, Mark. Oh, and it's, hi, so, Mark. Like, it's yeah. so abrupt and so like, it's just yeah. weird.
0: There's this part where um, Mark's telling the He's Like I, I once knew this girl. She had a dozen guys. One of them found out, beat her up so bad. She ended up in a hospital on Guerrero Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tommy's reaction, or sorry, Johnny's reaction is, <laughs> what a story mark
1: yeah <laughs> and all, everyone's like why are you laughing that's not a funny story it's not a
0: funny story yeah
1: and he was like it's human behavior yeah
0: it's human behavior yeah um also random fun fact uh there is no hospital on guerrero street uh mm-hmm. at that time uh, uh mark and tommy lived on guerrero street um which is why he kind of like snuck it in there but then because tommy was so such a secretive guy he got really upset with greg for mm. saying that, making, he's like, oh no, people are gonna like find out that we live on Guerrero Street. And it's like, that doesn't matter. Anyway, oh my um, gosh.
1: I didn't even pay attention to like what he was even saying yeah. when he said that.
0: There's, yeah, there's that part. Um, what's the other part where Tommy or Johnny just says uh, something that's like, which, oh, uh, he's like talking about how or, like, they're, they're at a coffee shop in San Francisco and Mark asks him, like, how's work going? He's like, well, you know, like, you know we made this deal, and you know that didn't didn't go as planned. And you know, it happens anyway. How's your sex life? Yeah, it's, it just comes I'm out like, of what? nowhere. Yeah.
1: What? What is he saying? Yeah, it's weird. Um. So my next question is, and you kind of talked about this with Peter, but are there any other actors in this aside from Peter, um, that act in anything else?
0: I don't. I don't think so.
1: No. Gotcha.
0: Um. I mean, Greg Sistero kind of has been in, like some random other stuff mm-hmm. from time to time, but yeah, pretty much everybody that was in the room, that was, that was that's what that's what they're most known for being in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
1: Got it. Okay, so some questions about Disaster artists specifically. Okay. So it's funny because at the end of Disaster Artist, like two of my biggest questions was like, how did this get funded? And how much did this cost to make? And they answered, but well, well they couldn't answer. No, Still no one knows how he had the money for all this.
0: So I have, okay, the, the three big questions when it comes to Tommy so and listeners, you might also be wondering these things as well. Like, who is Tommy? How did he even afford to make this movie? Um, and that's kind of part of the allure of this whole story mm-hmm. of the production of this movie is that at the time... And even up until when they made the Disaster Artist, nobody knows. Nobody knows clearly how Tommy makes his money because he clearly has a lot. And then they don't know where he's from, and they don't know how old he is. Mm-hmm. And the Disaster Artist, uh, he every time somebody asks him how old he is, he says, "Well, I'm Greg's age." Um, and Greg's like nineteen, 19. <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um. So, um.
1: And when people ask where he's from, he says New Orleans. He
0: says New Orleans, yes. Um, so I, I can provide some kind of context to all all three of these topics uh, mm-hmm. from the notes that I've compiled. So Tommy is, uh, be, be, people believe that he's 66 years old right mm-hmm. now, um, born in the mid-50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be, he was about 47 when mm-hmm. The Room was released. Mm-hmm. So in those those scenes where uh, Greg's 19, that was 1998.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that would be, uh, in which case, Tommy would have been about 43. So <laughs> not anywhere near Greg's age. Um,
1: he didn't look like and he was anywhere near Greg's age. <laughs> yeah. So, and like, I mean, Dave Franco, <laughs> I was like, why do they have him playing a 19-year-old? <laughs> yeah. So, but still.
0: So. So, yeah, he would be about um, 66 now. I, I'm not – that's that's what pops up if you, like, Google him. And then also it says, like, that, you know, Greg claims, like, yeah, he was born about in, like, the 1950s because somebody found, like, his uh –
1: Birth certificate or
0: something? Yeah, or not, his, not, not his birth certificate. Like his immigration papers. Oh. Um, which gets into the next topic. Uh, he's not from New Orleans necessarily. Mm-hmm. So um, he's born in Poland and mm-hmm. then he lived in France at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he moved to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And he, I guess he has like family in New Orleans mm-hmm. um, in Chalmette. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the reason yeah. why he tells, he doesn't tell people that he's from Europe yeah. Uh, he, he, like, didn't admit to being from Europe until, like, f- three or four years ago, But um, even though it's very clear that he's yeah. from Europe. But he didn't um, – the reason why he tells people he's from New Orleans is because he's very proud to be an American. Mm-hmm. Like, he's – extremely proud I of wonder, being an American
1: yeah throughout the movie though I was like why do people care so much about where he's from like I mean I guess like because they're trying to figure out what his accent is yeah but still I'm like who cares I've, <laughs> I, it's care part of about, the mystery <laughs> but of all the things to care about with this man the last thing I care about is where he's from it's just it's like how fact, does he get the money <laughs> it's
0: it's the fact that he doesn't tell you <laughs> it's the fact that you ask him where are you from and he says New Orleans and it's like no <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tommy Wiseau is yeah, he's very proud to be an American. That's why they have um, football throughout the movie. Is He's like, football's a very fun game to play. It's a very, you know, all-American game. Um, and that's why in The Disaster Artist, when they have that scene where he's writing the room, he's like, yeah, Johnny, he's this all-American guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a scene where he's looking at casting ads in the newspaper Mm-hmm. and they circle one that says that they're looking for an all-american look <laughs> gotcha you can,
1: you can i mean you definitely see how he is projecting onto the script of the room yes. and like all the things he like internally is dealing with yes. is very much placed into how he wrote the story
0: yes so uh as far as how he makes his money and why he seems to have so much of it um there's no defense Definitive answer. Mm-hmm. But so when people asked him how he made his money, he claims that it came from importing and selling jackets from Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Um, but then, uh, so Greg Sistero claims that it's from uh, real estate and entrepreneurship. So um, there's kind of like a theory that, you know, Tommy at some point moved from New Orleans to San Francisco and would sell toys at Fisherman's Wharf mm-hmm. um, and they would be like these kind of like rare or like these imported uh, bird toys which I guess was the inspiration for when he changed his name to Waso because that's not his birth name. Mm-hmm. Um, he changed his name to Tommy Wisseau because Waso is French for bird mm-hmm. um, but he took out the O at the beginning of the word and switched it with a W mm-hmm. um, because I think his birth last name started with a W. Um so I think, yeah, he just, the, the theory is that he sold toys at Fisherman's Wharf, saved his money, bought a building, rented out some tenants, um, and then just ended up buying, like, a bunch of properties, eventually, with the money that he made, and, like, because at one point in the Disaster Artist book, mm-hmm. when they go to San Francisco to film the scenes after they're done in L.A., um, there's a part where they go to a building, uh, this random building, and... It's and Greg's like, does Tommy own this building? Because like a tenant like recognizes Tommy and is talking to him, and he's got like keys to everything. And so yeah, like there's there is this building. I've actually seen it in real life. I think it's mm-hmm. over by um, gosh, I think it's over by Ghirardelli Square. Um,
1: is that why in the Disaster Artist he had all those keys? Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly.
0: Um, that makes sense. So yeah, there's I've seen this building, and it's this really random building. That I'm pretty sure it has like a poster for the room on it. And um, there's like a statue of just a pair of pants. Um, And Otami also owns his own apparel company. What? Um, I think it's called like American Street Fashion. He's literally Willy Wonka. Yeah, it's it's so (laughs) strange. (laughs) His whole story is just like, it's wild. Uh, Another fun fact, he, um, in order to get into SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, um, Tommy like Tommy was trying to apply when he was trying to become an actor before they made the room, he to get into sag, he um, he had to have been in something, mm-hmm. but he had never been in something. So what he did was he filmed his own commercial for his own apparel brand where he's in it. Um, in his building, he's going down an escalator and he's like dressed up in this like Shakespearean garb and he's like to be or not to be. Mm-hmm. That is the question and it's it's an ad that he created. Again, for his own apparel brand, and because he was in that, he qualified to be in the Screen Actors Guild.
1: Got a Vanessa system.
0: You got a Vanessa system, yeah. So, yeah. So the room is entirely funded by him, and the production yeah. was uh, theorized to be at about six million dollars.
1: Yeah, that's wild. Um. So, questions about the disaster artist. One, how involved was Tommy in the making of The Disaster Artist?
0: Okay, so Tommy, in order to basically let them... Tommy very protective of his image, mm-hmm. of the room, everything. Um, so he stated that the only people... He, like, he wanted somebody to make a movie about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that the only two people that he would be okay with portraying him on screen are uh, james franco and johnny depp now <laughs> and there's two there's two clear reasons for why it's it would be those two mm-hmm. two actors mm-hmm. um johnny depp because he almost kind of like portrays characters that are very much like tommy was yeah because uh, like tommy's got this like long black hair mm-hmm. he always has long black hair mm-hmm. um and you know uh <laughs> johnny depp played captain jack sparrow and it's, it's kind of low-key similar vibe um like tommy does and he's kinda. very
1: good at eccentric roles like yes yeah
0: and tommy's also um uh, really interested in vampires um get more into that in a second but well, that doesn't surprise me at all yeah um <laughs> but uh, he's like fascinated with them but um and then the other guy was james franco and um james franco played james dean the actor in the James Dean biopic that came out in 2003. And James Dean, like, you know, died in the 1950s in a motorcycle accident, I believe it was. Um, and Tommy is like, he loves James Dean. He's like, James Dean to Tommy is this all American guy image that he is like, he, he admires so much. So he's like, James Franco played James Dean. If, you know, James Franco would be somebody that I would be okay with playing me. Mm-hmm. So, he yeah. uh, he like greenlit, or he you know yeah he gave the green light to James Franco making this movie because it was James Franco, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then yeah and then him and Greg signed off on uh, they were they said they were okay with uh, Dave Franco playing uh, Greg mm-hmm. Sestero as well. Also, fun fact: um, this is the first movie where James and Dave Franco are in the movie together.
1: Yeah, when this movie came out, I saw interviews with the both of them and they were talking about it. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Um, I don't particularly care for James Franco for many reasons, not just the most obvious, sure. I should say. Um, I really only like him in Spider-Man. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But
0: don't you really like um,
1: This is the End? I do. I hate James Franco in those. I, I do not like the way James Franco acts in Seth Rogen movies. I love those huh. movies. I don't like his character ever. I don't like his sense of humor. I don't find him funny. <laughs> Not okay. to roast. Sorry, James Franco. Yeah, we're, mean we're making the enemies
0: out of James Franco, I Tommy So <laughs> I don't
1: care. <laughs> um, but yeah, but with that, all that being said, or despite all of that, I thought he did a fantabulous job in oh. this movie. And I thought he really got like the accent down and everything. Oh yeah.
0: So James Franco won the golden globe for best actor in a musical or comedy for playing Tommy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and at the golden globes, when he won, he let Tommy come on stage with him. Nice. Granted it's when you watch the clip, it's actually pretty awkward um, because <laughs> Tommy gets on stage and he, uh, you know, this is like a big moment for Tommy. It's like everything he's a dream, ever wanted. Yeah. It's, a, it's his dream. Um and there's a part when he gets on stage where he like kind of goes to grab the microphone and James is like no 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 (laughs) because it's like this is my moment yeah I'm winning for playing you yeah um but it was kind of sad like I would have wanted to see Tommy get to say Say something something. and um in interviews that Tommy did after that, um, they were asked, He, sorry, people asked him, you know, what were you going to say? And he, he said he was going to say, if a lot of people love each other, the world would be a better place to live,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I think would have been sweet. But
1: yeah, anyway, but it's like, uh, well, it's like yeah. you don't even get the sweetness of it after seeing all the mess he did on when filming this. Yeah. Like it like takes away from the sweetness. Of- I,
0: I hear you. I mean, there's something, I don't know. There's something kind of like, Sad about the whole story. You yeah, know?
1: I mean you do because it like he's very much like at least the way it all portrays it's like he's very much an outcast, and you feel yeah, bad that like you do feel very that bad everyone just kind of like outcasts him because he's a bit different. He, yeah, but he,
0: he's a strange yeah. guy. He um apparently scene. he was in a car accident, which then you know changed his whole lease on life and made him want to go become an actor. I don't know if that kind of resulted in him having any kind of like. Head trauma or something, Mm because he does. It's just something slightly off about him for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, in the movie, like you do kind of when you're watching the Disaster Artist, you do kind of feel bad for him at a certain point when it's like you know he clearly he's becoming very jealous of Greg because him and him and Greg meet in San Francisco and in an acting class and then. They go to L.A. to try to become actors because Tommy, of course, has an apartment in L.A., which is like, huh? Um, But, uh, you know, it becomes very clear, like, you know, you start to feel bad for him because Greg starts to have this, like, success. And Tommy's, like, you know, being left on the wayside because he's the
1: weird guy, I mean, just I mean, you can have sympathy for someone, and I yeah. do have sympathy for him, but I am not going to make excuses for the way he was treating people. I like know. just because yeah. he's oh, no, the no. oddball, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Yeah,
0: but there, <laughs> yeah. there, but yeah, but there, but there is this sense of like you could tell like he just he just wanted a friend, mm-hmm. and that's who you know Greg was for him, and yeah. yeah.
1: Um, another question: Did Tommy make any more films other than The Room, or is The Room the only film that he created?
0: that's an excellent question so um, all right this is this is this answer is purely going off of memory he did make a web series in 2015 called the neighbors um I don't think it was very popular I don't think very many people saw it um, he was he did he, he has been like asked to act in certain things but it's usually these like little niche um, these like niche comedy things that like Samurai cop 2 um somebody asked he's like he plays like a villain character he might only be in one scene i haven't seen it um Mm -hmm. but around when the disaster artist was coming out because a lot of people started talking about the room and the first time i ever saw the room was i think 2016 so i i found out about the room in like 2014 and then I didn't watch it until 2016, and then it was like the next year, The Disaster Artist was coming out. Um, mm-hmm. So that was that was all for me, like my experience with you know this whole story. It was really cool because it was like as soon as I found out about it, the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what was I even talking about? The um, I don't remember. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, you, you asked if he's done any other movies. So yeah. he, him, uh, him and Greg. Actually, this is directed by somebody else, but um, they did this movie called Best Friends, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's spelled like Best F, and then R's in parentheses uh, ends. Um, so it's kind of like Best Friends, but also like Best Fiends, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. But um, it's a part one, part two movie, mm-hmm. uh, where part two came out like a you know the, the year after part one. Um, and it is kind of this movie... I don't even actually... I've never seen it. I don't really know what it's about. It's definitely not, like, great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, like, Greg's character is... He, like, meets Tommy's character, and Tommy's character is this, like, mortician that, like, takes, like, um, like gold teeth from people's bodies and then, like, makes money that way or something.
1: Mm. That's actually really smart. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um yes yeah, it, it was something like that i haven't i haven't seen the movie some people are like oh it's great i love it and then mm-hmm. the reviews for it are like not very good but also i mean you know if you look at the reviews for the room obviously they're bad so yeah i don't yeah i can't i can't speak to whether that's like a, a worthy a worthwhile watch mm. but that does exist got it best friends
1: okay um my very last question And this is just like a funny, silly one, but how did Tommy drink so many Red Bulls yet still remain so flat? Oh,
0: wow. Yeah, I mean, apparently he was really exhausted when they were filming the room. But do you just mean like in general? Like he,
1: did you? Okay, I didn't even notice
0: he was drinking Red Bull.
1: Babe. I noticed the whole movie. He always had a Red Bull in his hand. But, like, during the scene where they get in the limo and they're driving to the premiere, there are empty oh, the, Red okay. Bull cans everywhere. And oh, he has one that he's drinking. I
0: did not notice that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, he's just... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with his fascination with vampires. So...
1: That that makes him I, like Red Bull? Because well, vampires don't go to sleep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Um. I mean... On the topic, so, okay. To so the Red Bull question, I don't really know. I think he was just tired. I don't. I I don't know. Like I'm
1: su- I'm surprised um, that like didn't have like a jittery effect on him.
0: But he, um, <laughs> when they were making the room, he originally wanted a subplot where it's revealed that Johnny is actually a vampire, and he wanted a scene where Johnny gets in his Mercedes Benz, his Mercedes Benz lifts off the ground, and then he flies. Into the San Francisco skyline. Um, that that was something that he wanted to put into the movie, but then they found out that based on the budget, it was going to be too expensive to do. So he scrapped it from the movie. Um, but I just, I love that. <laughs> I love that that's a thing. Um, okay. So is that is that all your questions? That's it. Okay, that's All I've got. So, all right. So I've got I've got some you know other fascinating pieces of information. Um, so. I don't think you notice this, but in the background, when they're in the apartment, in the room, um, there are stock images. Uh, so, like every, I mean, everything that's like in the actual room is like thrifted furniture, stuff that they got. They like threw together. Um, they needed stuff to be on the tables, so they asked, you know, part of the um, part of the crew to like go buy some like picture frames. And the picture frames that they bought had spoons in them. Um, and they used these spoons, uh, or they used these spoon, these picture frames with spoons in them because Tommy was like too cheap to uh, replace them. He just put them in the background. Um, they, I think there's something like 34 spoon shots or something, uh, like 34 different shots of the movie where there are spoons in the background in a picture frame, which is like such a random thing, mm-hmm. but fans noticed it. If you go to, a uh, the thing about the room that we didn't talk about was that, um when there are midnight screenings of this movie they're generally sold out um tommy you know goes to a lot of them he does a QA with people i went to one of them after i saw the room and this is before the disaster artist came out um and i got to meet him i got a picture with him i mm-hmm. bought a picture like i bought one of his headshots and he signed it and he wrote be good um mm-hmm. which was <laughs> pretty surreal um but uh so when you go to one of those midnight screenings, there's a lot of audience engagement at that at that show, or when when you see it in a theater, um, it is a, honestly one of the best experiences. Um, so every time there's a spoon on screen in the background, um, people in the audience just throw plastic spoons in the air. So like people will bring bags of plastic spoons and just chuck them in the air. And they'll go, spoon! And they'll just chuck him in the air. I truly and,
1: hope they're cleaning up after themselves uh, and not forcing the employees would, to do gosh, it.
0: Gosh, I would sure hope so. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, that I was not expecting like the... Um,
1: interactiveness? You
0: no, know, I was expecting that there was going to be some interactiveness. But I was not expecting like that level mm-hmm. of, I guess, yeah, engagement from everybody. But that level of like spoons being thrown in the air. <laughs> Because there's a lot. Oh my gosh. Um, Yep. And uh, I'm looking through my notes to see if there's anything else. Um, Oh, so Tommy did advertise this movie on a billboard for five years. Mm -hmm. It cost $5,000 a month to leave that billboard up. And he left it up for five years, which is like $300,000 or something. Um, Which is wild. Wild. Oh, was, yeah. well, let's see. Wait, that's no, five thousand dollars times twelve. That's sixty thousand. Yeah, times that's three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, anyway, but then when they made the Disaster Artist, um, James Franco did advertise the Disaster Artist on the same billboard, which I, I think is a fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I and mean, people people in the industry, I think, like that know about this story. Just love it because it's a bit, it's just this weird story about this guy breaking into Hollywood with his own money, making his own movie. Um, and kind of to go back to what we were saying before, it's uh, um, it's the story about somebody who has an idea, regardless of how silly or stupid it might seem to other people, and just fully executes on that idea and creates something that becomes special in its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That's, yeah, I guess that's that's the theme of this episode all around. And I don't know, I just I just kind of like that. Though, I guess in the example of both of these, uh, both with Nuts and Bolts with Tyler mm-hmm. and with The Room um, with Tommy, is that, uh, you know, the difference between us and them is that they had a whole bunch of money to do those <laughs> things. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. And then, oh, okay, final thing. Uh, they do talk about this in The Disaster Artist. I just want to make sure to say it here is that Tommy did keep this movie he did he kept the room in theaters long enough to qualify for the Academy Awards so that he could submit it to the Academy Awards um wow <laughs> and also he he sent it over to Paramount to be distributed by them he like applied to be the have them be the distributor usually you hear back in two weeks mm-hmm. um and apparently according to Greg Sestero they uh got rejected within 24 hours <laughs> of course <laughs> yep and yeah so that's uh that's everything i had um tommy has said that he might potentially there's a uh, talk of a musical play adaptation in the works which he what? uh yeah i don't i don't know if that'll actually happen but would you if the room existed as a musical would you watch it
1: no i don't even like musicals fair, fair
0: enough fair enough <laughs> um Okay, wait. Last thing. Sorry. There's there's so there's just so many facts about this whole story. Um, and I want to make sure I get them all out. This is this is the last one, I swear. Um, there was a documentary group that made a documentary about Tommy Wiseau and the production of The Room and the movie's called uh, Room Full of Spoons and they did a lot of digging into, you know, his background and some of the information that I brought up here uh, I think is a result of, you know, their their snooping and trying to figure out what is going on with Tommy. Um, but when it became known that they were making this movie, Tommy did everything in his power to stop them from getting that movie distributed and released. Mm-hmm. Um And I think it was ready to be released in like 2017 or 2018. They had to go to court because Tommy was like suing them. And it didn't even get settled until uh, like 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this last summer, mm-hmm. it got settled where basically Tommy... Has to pay them um, in damages. It's like seven hundred thousand or eight hundred thousand dollars in damages. Why from not? Because because he blocked them from being able to release their movie. That they but that they like- that the judge ruled in favor of the production crew of the crew of making that movie. Like if they had been able to release that movie when it was intended to be made, because Tommy's uh, you know lawsuit was just completely baseless. Um, but if it's a movie about back. your
1: life, about you, you should have the right to be able to be like, I don't want that distributed. But
0: it's like basic information about him that but like, still, everybody kind of has the right to that info. I don't know. Yeah, Basically. Yeah. So, I mean, Tommy had to pay them and, what? uh, that's crazy, but the room full of spoons is also not out. Like it's not, mm-hmm. it has never been officially released, mm-hmm. um, because of that whole lawsuit debacle. Yeah.
1: That's so... If someone just, like, was trying to make a movie about me, I don't care if it's basic information. Like, but it's this is like, my life. You don't have the right to that.
0: Well, but people make documentaries about stuff like that all the time.
1: Yeah, but are they getting, like, the permission Cons- from the person? I don't think you
0: need to have permission in order to...
1: Unless it's, like, it's different if it's, like, like you know, like, crime cases or something. Right. it's, like, they make a documentary about that. Like, that's different. But, like... Just, like, this person who's just living their life and, like...
0: Okay, but uh, we watched the Tinder swindler. They did not have that guy's consent. But also, he was <laughs> trash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was
1: swindling people. And, but... but and you're you're going to tell me
0: that Tommy... But <laughs> they had
1: the victims. They had the victims who gave their consent to be a part of that and to tell their story. Right, so
0: they interviewed a whole bunch of people that were, like, on the cast and crew of The Room hmm. um, to provide, you know, further context to the story. So, you know, is that... I don't know. Well, the judge ended up ruling in their favor on a legal level. Um, I think it was like a Canadian judge. I think because the people that made it were Canadian. Anyway, okay, that is everything that I had. I probably have more in my notes, but we've been talking for so long. Uh, you know, I <laughs> what more can possibly be said? Yeah. Whew. All right, long episode. I don't know how long this has been so far, but, um, you know, Kudos to you, dear listener, for (laughs) having gotten this far. Um, All right. So our assignments for next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are listening and you would not like to be spoiled for what next week's going to be, stop listening now. Uh, But if you would like to uh, listen and know ahead of time, potentially even engage with this content yourself over the course of the next week before we release next week's episode, go for it. So uh, I believe I'm assigning you first. Okay. All right. So as you know, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 comes out next week, and we're going to go see it, and I'm really excited about it. (laughs) Uh, So in honor of that, I wanted to assign you uh, my very first Sonic game that I ever played as a child, which was Sonic Adventure for the Sega Dreamcast. Mm -hmm. It's available now on uh, Xbox Live. Uh, You can buy it for $5 on Xbox um yeah so i'm assigning you sonic adventure a lot of people uh some people that i know would probably prefer that i assign you sonic adventure 2 and i by all means i do think that that is the superior game but i think we'll, i'll sign that to you when sonic the hedgehog 3 comes out oh my gosh uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i am assigning Aaliyah sonic adventure and okay. I'm very excited about it. I've been listening to the music and nonstop oh the last goodness. few days. It's I love it so much. Anyway, that's it.
1: Okay. Um, my assignment for you. So I wanted to combine two things that we both love. Okay. Um, I love black people. <laughs> okay. I love my community. I love hearing the narratives of black people. Yeah,
0: I enjoy those things too. All
1: right. You love nerdy things. I do
0: love nerdy things.
1: So I'm assigning you an audio book. Of black nerd problems
0: black nerd problems yes i think so, i've heard of this
1: yeah because i read it and i was telling you about it oh um so you probably heard a little bit i don't know how much you remember um but it's basically a collection of like little short essays about various things anime video games oh, okay yeah. yeah
0: i yeah okay no i i totally remember you talking about this and being yes. like oh that sounds so cool yeah okay yeah so Woo. i want
1: you to listen i and i'm i'm specifically seeing the audiobook because yeah. the two authors who write all the essays right they just like the way the passion you hear when they read these stories is so funny like they'll get so worked up about like haiku or something yeah
0: is it almost um, like a podcast kind of feeling kinda, yeah, they it, do the it, yeah it definitely yeah.
1: feels like a podcast so you can get that on anything where an audiobook is you can even download it like i read it off my like public library app
0: okay. so yeah I'll, that was free i'll probably use uh, one of my audible credits yeah
1: for so that. yeah so if anyone wants to read that
0: yeah. awesome okay so next week it's sonic adventure and black nerd problems mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm excited this is gonna be a good week <laughs> good content week all right well that's the episode thanks for listening see you next week see ya bye